Hello, Bizzlecast listeners. I am the Bizzle. And I'm Jedi Geeko from I Rebel. Welcome to the Star Wars Lorecast. Presented by the Bizzlecast. And may the Force be with us. No. Or do not. There is no try. Happy beach here, buddy. Come on. Copy that. We're almost there. You must have a thousand questions. Where's Ray? Go away! Jimmy, what are you doing here? When I found you, I saw what all masters live to see. Raw, untamed power. The potential of your bloodline. We need your help. We need the Jedi Order back. We need Luke Skywalker. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to another Bizzlecast a Star Wars um, commentary uh, as part of the Lorecast this time, doing Revenge of the Sith with Jedi Geek Girl here on the Lorecast, episode four. We pushed this up. Um, I had a feeling earlier in the week, Jedi Geek Girl, as you know f- about the Revenge of the Sith, and not 48 hours later, the brand new slate of Clone Wars and prequel materials across the board was announced uh so i don't know i must have had a feeling about something welcome back to the podcast what do you think i think we nailed it i mean it was such a exciting week with all the news that we got that we had to do this film because it's relevant and it's applicable with all the news that we got and oh my god oh my god oh my god i am so excited so, guys, we push back the comics episode. That's definitely happening next week. And now we have Jedi Geek Girl, not only comics from the past, but now we also have to preview what's coming up as part of next week, which I'm sure you're super excited about. Oh, yeah. I love comics. Comics is my jam. I love the books, too. But there's something so unique about having a comic in your hand that really cannot be topped. Yeah. So, guys... We could do a news podcast. We already changed the podcast once, and we really want to do Revenge of the Sith. So I don't, I'm not going to run this intro too long. I know the V for Vendetta intro was kind of long. I apologize about that. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was some amazing Natalie Jedi Girl, as you know. I'm sure it will come up. I, you know, once again, bowled over by her talent. Um, and I have some points about that, actually, with this movie. Um, but Jedi Girl, I must say, because of the timeliness, that a whole bunch of uh, predictions and related predictions that we've made since we started and even before all basically came true in the same san diego comic-con weekend you predicted a padme book coming up you wanted more qui-gon now we've got a qui-gon you know uh obi-wan thing coming out um you know we talked about they must be developing multiple animation projects and now they've already released two plus forces of destiny but the main one jedi geek girl which i will say actually predates you slightly to my podcast with Simi uh, back in the fall. Uh, my first podcast with him was called Ahsoka, How Ahsoka and the Clone Wars Saved Star Wars. And uh, that was when I started beating the drum for the Siege of Mandalore. And while it took me a couple days to warm up to rebooting the Clone Wars as opposed to a live action version, 
Either way, it's going to be spectacular, and we have been, as I said, beating the drum about the Siege of Mandalore. And again, it's not about us being right, guys. It's about us being excited that we were right about something we wanted so badly. Right, Jack Geek Girl? Right. You nailed it on the head. I mean, the Siege of Mandalore is an event that I cannot wait for. It's going to be a huge, and it's going to be really relevant and emotional due to the fact that we are getting it now after Rebels instead of then. I think it's going to be a lot more emotional ride, like the commentary that we're doing right now, especially after that comes out, than we would have gotten at that point in time. And I, I, I teased you earlier in the day that I had some positivity bombs coming tonight, and I'm going to save the majority of them for the commentary. Um, but I will say, as much as my predictions about Ahsoka and the Siege of Mandalore coming true has been great... The, the more recent but bigger prediction and more important in terms of the long-term health of the franchise was I've been talking about thinking that Lucasfilm and the positivity of the fan base was going to bounce back sooner rather than later. And I know there's still a ways to go, but when you saw how great the presentations were at the Star Wars you know, panel and related events at Comic-Con, but especially the incredibly positive response to the Clone Wars coming back, how pumped everyone was. I mean, we haven't seen that for a while, and, and I think we are back on the right track here and getting fans excited about things that they love. I do not want to jump the gun, but I think this is the announcement and content that the fandom, the Star Wars fandom, needed. Because it's like, no matter if you don't like The Last Jedi, if you like The Last Jedi, if you, no matter what the issue is, everybody agrees. More Clone Wars, yes, oh my god, we want it. it, it it's amazing. So... Yeah, and uh, this will be the last point, and then we'll intro into the commentary for Revenge of the Sith. Is you know we've talked about you know we've been compares we've been comparing the nostalgia of the Clone Wars and Rogue One that worked so well with the nostalgia of Solo, which worked to varying degrees. And I think that while the fan reaction to Solo was pretty positive overall, it's clear. You know, as I've said, you know, anything relating Ahsoka or Obi-Wan, I thought would immediately get a bump because we have a whole generation of people your age and younger who grew up on these versions of the characters and love them. Whereas Solo was trying to appeal, you know, looking at it now, Solo was trying to appeal to the older generation, but with a new Han Solo. And that was doomed to fail from the beginning. Whereas now by rebooting the Clone Wars and, you know, probably getting more Ahsoka and Obi-Wan very near future. This is the this is the uh, 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 appealing directly to the generation with the characters that they, they, they love, but with the actors and voice actors and so forth that they love, right? Right, I am right there with you. Yeah. So, um, speaking of which, why don't I um, shut up for a second and let you do the uh, the, the the final point uh, before I launch into the countdown about. You know, obviously, we're going to be talking about the ways in which the Clone Wars, even before the current announcements, informed our viewings of Revenge of the Sith, right? But now it's even more pertinent, which is why it's really exciting to be doing the commentary. So I'll give you final thought on the connection between the, the rebirth of the Clone Wars and our current watching of Revenge of the Sith, which I think, Jadeki Girl, we are going to inform each other of some things we haven't necessarily talked about before. But go ahead. The great thing about the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith is it fits perfectly because we are seeing the climax of Anakin's journey into Vader 
which at the time we didn't really fully understand because it kind of felt rushed. After the Clone Wars, we got to see more of why Anakin fall, fell, what was his problems, why was his turn so sudden, and what led up to it. Especially when you add in the announcement that we got about new Clone Wars, we're getting the Siege of Mandalore. So that will even add more depth to this film because we are getting the moment right directly into Revenge of the Sith and during. So this movie is so good. I love it. And the Clone Wars does nothing. The more of the Clone Wars content we get, mm. the richer this film gets, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So really quickly, guys, I'm going to get us into the countdown. Um, if you listen to the sort of intro I recorded after the fact, it's Attack of the Clones, so I don't normally put a new intro in front of the podcast, sort of with a, a, a trigger warning, I guess, because I'm very critical of Attack of the Clones, and I brought it up again. I kind of apologized to Simi, you know, even though he understood before the V for Vendetta about, you know, saying I was going to be trying to be positive, and I ended up being hypercritical as usual of that movie. But I listened back to our Phantom Menace commentary, Jay Girl, and I can say definitively that while I will have some critiques of this film, it's going to be much more like that movie than Attack of the Clones. They're going to be relatively small nitpicks or just maybe not understanding a couple beats and so forth, uh, which is why you're here, of many reasons, to uh, <laughs> enlighten me, perhaps, with some of the stuff I don't understand. But I do have some uh, new thoughts about this movie, almost all of which are positive. So I'm excited to get into this. Uh, with you and by the way the last prediction we have to do this because it's the drinking game other than the rogue one drinking game is guess what the most publicized new publication was by far coming out of sdcc is the padme book which jedi geek girl both wanted and predicted and jay geek girl your prediction about natalie coming to uh to chicago next spring they are as i've been saying putting on the hard sell it definitely seemed like the pieces are all coming together, isn't it? You just hope, I just hope she loves and appreciates it. I think she does, but we will just have to see. So, all right. My, yeah, go ahead. My dream is that when the book comes out, she tweets a picture of herself with the book. I, th I think she will read the book personally. That's true, but as you pointed out in one of our recent podcasts, it also would be great if the Natalie thing is kept completely under wraps and is a gen basically a huge surprise at the th at the thing. So, I, oh, I, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. But if she treats herself with the book, that doesn't really spoil anything because it That's shows true. that she appreciates the character, you know, and it puts her, you know, out there in the Star Wars fandom. I also want her and Ashley Eckstein to be best friends because I could totally see that. <laughs> oh my god! But you know her and Ray, you know. Yeah, yeah, but Ashley, you know, Ashley's more more like um, uh, uh, Natalie's age. You know what I mean? Actually, Kat Tabor is like her, is actually older than Natalie Portman. Um, but uh, you know, just the way Ashley's been doing the her universe stuff with Doctor Who, with Jodie Whittaker, who I love already. I cannot wait for that. Um, she's amazing. I mean, uh, yeah. Oh God. Oh my. Oh my God. Could you imagine? Okay, so you know that her universe, and this will be the last. Yeah. Tra off the track thing I said. You know how her universe for the Clone Wars tenth anniversary sent out a picture of their line with the character actors who play the characters wearing clothes designed for those characters or inspired by those characters. Could you imagine if 
Natalie Portman modeled a Padme line of clothing. I mean, what if she just came out in like a toned down Amidala outfit at a celebration? People would lose their fucking minds. Oh my God. Oh man. <laughs> I lost Jenna Geek Girl. <laughs> No, I'm yeah, here. I know. I know. I know. I didn't mean that. I didn't lose you that way. So, okay, guys. So, here it is. Revenge of the Sith. Uh, this is a great movie. It's extremely flawed, but has great moments. We will talk about it. So, we're working off a digital file. I don't really know how many versions there are of the prequels. I think this is the pretty standard version. Um, I will say uh, what we're going to do that I've been doing recently is I've been having the guest um, basically count, uh, 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 you know, seven seconds or so into the recording. And um, I've been editing it out, but I might start, I've actually started leaving it in because Jedi Geek I think it helps people make sure they're aligned. So we'll see how that goes, but we'll we'll get you aligned, guys. I'm going to count from three to one. I'm going to say go. You're going to hit play. We're all at zero, 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 whether it's Blu-ray, digital file uh it, you know dvd etc if you're gonna have like buffering you know it, it'll be fine um you'll you'll figure it out we'll get everything aligned might want some subtitles some ambient sound for music um or just you know the ambiance of the entire thing uh this is an intense movie jedi geek girl it's really dark i mean i think in a lot of ways this is way more depressing than rogue one um but we can make those comparisons when we get there so any any final thoughts to the audience before we get to the countdown i cannot wait to dive into this film and i'm going to cry so let's get started (laughs) Well, we made it through Last Jedi and wrote. Well, I guess we didn't do Rogue One. So, um, all right. No, good. I yeah. cried through all of them. I <laughs> cried through all of them. Yeah. All right, guys. So, queue up two zero zero zero. I'm gonna lead us into the countdown, and uh, yeah, this is going to be a a great and interesting time. Um, and uh, I have some anecdotes about the first time I came th- through this commentary a-, a year or two ago, but I'll save them for the commentary. So now's the time to pause if you need to, and I'm going to lead us down. All right, here we go. Ready, G- ready, JGG? I am. All right. Let me get it up over here. Okay. Make sure the sound's not too loud. All right. And you're going to count us up to seven? Yes, sir. Awesome. All right, here comes the countdown. Three, two, one, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, the here floor we go with the is yours, girl. Here we go with the 20th Century Fox fanfare and the Lucasfilm logo. This film is a film that really sticks with me because, you know, I was becoming an adult, so my memory was stronger, you know, leading back into our last episode. So right here, this film was the first film that I saw at midnight release. And as we're going to see in the intro, it really captured my imagination because at the time, this was going to be the last Star Wars film. I can imagine people watching this who felt the same thing that people felt back in 83. So, here we go. We see the intro of the movie, War, the Republic is crumbling under attack. We're seeing the end of the Clone Wars here. So, we're jumping from the beginning of the Clone Wars, from Attack of the Clones, to the end of the Clone Wars with Revenge of the Sith. This was the moment that everybody 
has been waiting for. Whether you were an original trilogy fan or a prequel trilogy fan, this is the birth of Darth Vader. It is a little weak on the execution, mm -hmm. but the fanfare and the awesomeness that is Darth Vader begun here. And here we go. See, guys, you don't even need me. Just let Jenna get girl talk you through it. Oh, I, this, the, the opening, I'm getting chills right here watching it because when I watched this in the midnight opening, the, this right here, mm -hmm. in my opinion, is the best opening of a Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. So here we go. The classic pan down. We see Coruscant. Listen to the music. You hear the drums. You see the ship. And here we go. I'm, I'm literally getting chills, Bizzle, watching this. Okay, here we go. So Anakin, Obi-Wan with the ships. Hear the music. The music is perfect. This this the goes bombs. on for like three minutes. It's so glorious. I forgot this. I, I took some notes look, the other night. Oh. Look how beautiful it is. Look how well executed it is and stuff like that. You've seen that. And then all suddenly you go down and you see the Battle of Coruscant, which is huge. And look at it. It's so beautiful and it still works today and the camera angles oh my god the flying there's so much going on like you see the battles this battle is absolutely huge look at it best opening in star wars definitely in my opinion we see the ships look at the battle you're seeing ships sing everywhere like you could literally pause and look at everything going on. Here and we go. here we go. R2-D2, Anakin. What do you think of that intro, Bizzle? I agree with you. It's the best, and it definitely feels like George Lucas saying, this might be the end, guys, so I'm going all out at the beginning here. I mean, when I was younger, watching this on the big screen, I was on the edge of my seat because we saw nothing like it. And it seems like everything George Lucas was trying to apply in the prequel trilogy mm -hmm. got executed. Oh, yes. Like he went arc, all out. The Ark 130, baby. I got that on my shelf. Woo! The um, predecessor to the X-Wing, in mm -hmm. a sense. But it's got and a I rear love, turret and shit. Yeah, go ahead. I love how George Lucas backward designed these ships. Okay. Can I, can I jump in real quick? Oh, go for okay. it. Okay, first of all, this already looks better. It doesn't throughout the movie, but right here it looks better than the first two movies, as it should, being 2005. Second, immediately Obi-Wan and Anakin feel way more comfortable and funny and relatable with each other than the previous movie. I mean, he had such a growth spurt, in, in not just physically, but in terms of maturity. I mean, God, is he handsome. His Haiti Christensen, no doubt about it. He is, and you can see that he has confidence. The scar like helps a lot. Obi-Wan being more like the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan helps a lot. I mean, everything's working better. Yeah, I, it's just so wonderful how they executed these characters in these films, you know, reaching that middle ground of the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Like, this right here fits so well into the original trilogy. I love that even though Obi-Wan is almost but not as good of a flyer as Anakin, he hates it just like he hates guns. Obi-Wan hates anything when he's not on his feet with the lightsaber. It's great. And we see Anakin doing spinning. You know? Okay. You, you ready for my first major positivity bomb? 
Go for it. Hayden Christensen is perfect in this movie based on what George Lucas asked of him. Maybe better than what than what George Lucas could have expected. That is quite high praise. Wow. Yeah. And I am extremely critical of him in Attack of the Clones, although I don't blame him whatsoever. But the more I watch this movie and I look at the lines on the page while he's saying them, and I don't know who could have delivered it better based on George Lucas's vision. And, and, and it's a credit to him that he stepped up and was brave and courageous after all the criticism in episode two here. And he nails it with these two. Imagine if he got to do it another time, how well he could have done. All right. Next point. Clone Wars, these two relationship, even though it's James Arnold Taylor and Matt Lanter rather than these two guys. It leads perfectly to this situation where Obi-Wan is still instructing him, but also boosts his ego in times when he should be humbling him. It's definitely wonderful seeing not only Anakin confident, but Obi-Wan as well. I mean, here's the thing. Anakin is asked to turn from good but troubled to evil on a dime in this movie. Who else in all of Star Wars has been asked to do that? Uh, it's escaping me right now. Because there's nobody. Right. There's Luke when he's briefly angry because Vader's taunting him about Leia. I mean, that's about it. Kylo's already bad. Ray's never really tempted. No. Point being, Hayden was asked to do the impossible in this movie, and I give him unbelievable credit. And honestly, Jacob Girl, watching this, it's not clear to me why he didn't have a career more after this. He does seem like he was blossoming into a great actor, but maybe it was too much. It is definitely surprising, given how well he does in this film, that he didn't have more of a career afterwards. It's almost like the stigma of Attack of the Clones was so heavy that it, you know, it tainted his smile is more natural. Their banter is more natural. Look at this. This is like Battlestar Galactica. I'm going to make the comparisons about this opening battle. is extremely, and this was just when Battlestar was getting going. There's things that this does even better than Battlestar, but look at this giant capital ship stuff going on. Oh my God. Here we go. <laughs> you, you are also talking about how good this film looks and it's better than the other two, but I could argue that it could pretty much work today. Too. Here we go. Obi-Wan in action. Flawless. So, I like how so Obi Wan is the one that quick, in action. Go quick, ahead. Quick footnote: This always looks better on my computer than my television. When it's on a big screen and it's too glossy, I, I think George Lucas should have toned down the glossiness a little bit. But when I'm able to watch on a small screen and really absorb what's going on. It looks very three dimensional to me. So I, I, it's it's cl- it's really close. Look at them. Their movements are flawless. Like. Well, I said, they, I said, even in Attack of the Clones, I thought the, the the one really positive or one of the positive things about Anakin Attack of the Clones was his physicality and his uh, movements and interactions with the CGI was great. Well, I meant in this film, it is almost along the lines of the Phantom Menace where they are so comfortable in the movement that it actually works. With Attack of the mm-hmm. Clones, it felt like it was a little off. You know what I'm saying? I will say. The many high points in this movie and just what it's about and, and so forth puts it at the top easily for me with the prequels. But I, I'm starting to come to your and Simi side a little bit about the Phantom Menace in some ways being more watchable or like, you know what I mean? Like there's I, when I listen back on our commentary, I'll just talk for myself. I use words like fun and joy regularly in the Phantom Menace. I don't know if I would say this is super fun, but I'm not sure joy applies to this movie after the first 20 minutes or so. 
Well, the thing about it is, is this film is such an emotional roller coaster. It takes a toll on you. It's kind of like Rogue One. I love watching Rogue One. I love watching this film, but I don't want to watch it over and over again because otherwise it loses its emotional impact and stuff like that. Plus, you're so drained from it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I thought that once. <laughs> but I watch Rogue One so much. I just told Simi, I'm a horrible person. I like movies where no one gets to say goodbye at the end. Everybody dies. <laughs> Well, see, you gotta have your, you know, your weekly gin-gasm. I mean, I could just, you know. <laughs> I love this little thing right here without your detail and the droids. So these guys look a lot like the new Battlestar Galactica Cylons. Uh, although I think we saw them in Attack of the Clones, right? Yeah, we did see the yeah. Super Battle Droids in Attack of the Clones, but they look like a little bit more progressed a little bit. Yeah. But I, I do think Ron Moore, a Battlestar, who's a giant Star Wars fan, obviously, did take from that and mixed it with the original Cylon design for the, the Cylons. It's a great design. I absolutely love R2-D2. Always a hero. That reminds me a lot of A New Hope a little bit. I love it. So, this, <laughs> this, this is like, up here... Sorry. Did this scene up here, does this work mm. for you? It does. I, 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 this reminds me of, uh, y you know, when, when, when Jin and Cassie in, are in the, the computer system and, and, and K2 is trying to get the stormtroopers to go away. And he's like, the rebels, they went that way. And then Cassian on the comm <laughs> goes, K2, are you there? And he goes, there's one. <laughs> and then he starts beating up the stormtroopers. Yeah, Hayden Christensen's really good in this one. He's so comfortable in his role, like, and stuff like that. Look at him. <laughs> See, I love this. It's just, boom, he sets it on fire. Yeah, I mean, the strongest and weakest part of this movie are effects stuff. And I don't know why The Phantom Menace looks the best of the three movies it's not clear to me here we go here we go the emperor in his chair not too subtle by lucas who cares it's definitely a throwback to empire not empire return but return of the jedi yep mm. and later in episode eight the last jedi yep. it's very subtle like obviously it's throwback because he's a quote-unquote prisoner here but it, it's supposed to be echoing it. Okay. See, now you see Anakin, he's a lot more calm and collected than Attack of the Clones. You see his evolution a little bit, you know. So, do you know what the Uncanny Valley is? No, I do not. They talk about it in video games, and now we see it with like CGI Tarkin and Leia and so forth in Rogue One, where... You know it's CGI, but it looks so real that it makes you feel weird, even if you, you can't really tell other than knowing about it, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Look, look at this lightsaber fighting. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's so, you can actually yeah. see the action. It's yeah. not zoomed well, I was gonna in. Say, I was going to say, related to that was Dooku flipping off the balcony, which looks spectacular, but you know it's CGI, and so your mind's playing, you know, doesn't know what to make of it. Right, but look look how well you can follow the action here. I'm, I'm sorry, I just... so. Do you think Dooku is really surprised uh, ultimately up here when Sidious betrays him? Uh, I, I do. 
I, I actually do, yeah. Because even though it's in their nature, you know, it was, he was misled by Palpatine. He was told that, hey, we're going to do this, and then he was, like, thrown to the wall. That scene right there looks a little off to me. That always, you know, right there. Like, you can tell this. He should have gone back to the practicalness of the Phantom Menace, and he just t wanted to go further. But look, look how... Oh, the lightsaber fights in this entire movie are amazing. I know, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just so caught up in the action here. The key of this movie is, is focus on the emotion and focus on the characters. Look at the, the scene there with the blue on the red there. Boom, 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 boom. It's so smooth. This is, this is what should have happened in Attack of the Clones. You see the action. Yep. But they knew that this was the end of Count Dooku, and there goes the hands. Okay. Okay. All right. So here we go. So you talked about how the Emperor is working surely through Charisma and the Phantom Menace, or Palpatine, I should say. Is he work? Is he doing any manipulation on Anakin here, or uh, in terms of the Force, or is this sheer emotional and vocal manipulation? It's emotional manipulation because he is Do like it. a father figure to Anakin, so he's playing to it. And there goes Dooku. Here's the thing. So, Here's the thing. If Sidious was a good guy in real life, I mean in real life, if Sidious was a good guy. I'm not sure I disagree with the decision to to kill Dooku, but I, I get criticized about this on my podcast. No, Merc mercy no, killing no. villains, you know. Right, right, but you gotta look at it at the personal. You gotta look at it in a fictional universe sense. Yeah. A Jedi is not supposed to do that. So even though if Sidious was a good guy and if he was a politician, that would have been the right move to go. That's not along the. That's not the Jedi's call. That's not their job. But you know, going back tying this into the Clone Wars, it's just a natural flow of things that they don't think about it like they would have in the Phantom Menace. Like if you look at the Phantom Menace and you look at the Jedi in this film, you definitely see the shift. See, and so, you see the bond between Anakin and Obi-Wan. So him turning to Sidious' side, totally believable how they set it up in this movie. Him turning on Obi-Wan, though, so quickly, I'm not sure is sold as well. But again, I think that was just Attack of the Clones not achieving his goal. Okay, really quickly, Jedi Geek Girl, nerd stuff. So Battlestar Galactica, they do have these giant cannons on the capital ships, but we never see inside the people firing the cannons, really. Here, seeing, even though it's droids, seeing the cannons firing from the inside is amazing. And this is one of the greatest crash landing sequences ever. Serenity, the Firefly movie, which came out the same year, had a also great crash landing sequence. Sequence, but it wasn't nearly this epic or over the top gorgeous one thing the thing is jake girl two things that lucas never screws up are space battles and lightsaber fights he never screws those up you know watching the opening intro to this movie definitely wish that we got a live action movie of this because it seemed like you could watch a whole film of the, what we're seeing right here and as i said in attack of the clones this movie even makes even more clear why the Clone Wars was in some ways a better form for realizing Lucas's vision. Although this is honestly, Jake girl, the footage that we saw of the new Clone Wars looks even more high quality than what we've seen in any of the animated series. It looks like we might get stuff this epic. It definitely has taken a step up in quality, you know? So look at, look how beautiful. Like I love we actually get to see. 
So yeah, yeah so you, you know, I, 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 I've told about this anecdote before, but I'll say it again, which is when I did this commentary for the first time a couple years ago before The Force Awakens, I tried to be snarky for the first 10 or 12 minutes because I just watched Attack of the Clones, but then I ultimately was just like, I, very quickly, like, I really like this movie, and I was just into it for the rest. So can you recall when you turn around? Oh, there's the elevator. Yeah, it was I before could- Obi-Wan and Anakin even got off their ships. It was when they... St- I was at first, I was like, okay, Anakin's still corny. And then a couple more lines, I was like, actually, Hayden's nailing it here with you. And at that point is when I bought in. I love the action here. It's so flawless and smooth. I mean, here's the thing. I love the Matrix sequels. I can't complain about blatant CGI. It's just, this looks cartoonish at times with the CGI. Whereas the Matrix stuff looks computer generated, if that that makes sense. Um, No. Yeah. No, but it's a lot more smoother than an Attack of the Clones. Like, there's still oh, moments yeah. that you can see where it sticks out, but yep. not to the degree of the Attack of the Clones. So. To be honest, the more colorful in CGI he goes, the better it looks. When he I tr- like this. This is great. This is, a, the, yeah. this is a version of the Force Field with Obi-Wan, right, in Attack of the Clones. We see this with... Um, I just watched with Duchess Satine. He's also in a Force Field of this type at some point. Like, which modded than this? And there's that too. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, R2 and Chopper could rule the galaxy, honestly. Do you think this film is the best portrayal about you in the prequel trilogy? E- certainly here. Yeah, that's a good question. That is a good question. And as you pointed out, there is a certain geek element to seeing him appear and perform in Phantom Menace. Right. Okay, General Grievous, explain to me what he is, why he has so many arms, why he's sickly, why he has lightsabers. Is he a force user? I never understood Grievous. I have no clue. Well, that question is like, are you talking canon or legends? Because right now in canon, there's not as much. You give me legends. Or what you, anything okay. that you know about him. Yeah. So basically what he was is he was an alien hunter who was picked by Count Dooku, who... Dooku crippled, I don't know the circumstances, and then he rebuilt him like Vader. And then he trained him in the ways of the Jedi and the lightsaber training. So that's where he got his technique. And I'm talking legends here, but in the Clone Wars series in 2003, 2004, 2005, Mace Windu crushed his breathing, causing him to cough, but obviously that's not the case because I think we see him coughing in uh, the David Filoni series. So he doesn't, have, he doesn't have force powers. No, he doesn't. He's not Force-sensitive. Quote-unquote, Force-sensitive. This looks great. The mang- What it are they does. called? The Magna Guards or whatever? Man- uh, yeah, Manga Guards. I keep wanting to say manga, but it's not it's manga. Awesome. It looks great. I think, they have someone, I think they have someone fighting there uh, for some of it and have uh, CGI overlays, which is, you know... I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, look, I, 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 let's be honest. The Lord of the Rings had a built-in advantage, was which was that all the orcs were practical, right? And so the fighting was, of course, going to look more real. But given the amount of CGI in 2005 here, Lucas did an unbelievable job. Remember, he was still basically self-funding at this point. And look at the droids. The droids are a lot more smoother than they were Grievous in the last great. two films. Grievous has all... And like I said on the big screen, some things look flat. Grievous looks great on the big screen. And by the way, when he later when we get the final Grievous, we get a close-up on his face that's amazing. It is. 
You, yeah, what do you, Grievous has a cup. What do you think about the choice to kill Dooku early but have Grievous survive? Like, what's Grievous fighting for at this point? I think... How do I put this? Just survival and power? I think you needed... Grievous is a coward. So, his goal is to survive. So, him escaping makes complete sense. Great yeah, quote I mean, right there. Time to abandon ship. But if you're talking uh, purely plot, I think you needed to have Obi-Wan being do... I think you needed Obi-Wan to do something mm-hmm. elsewhere mm-hmm. when Anakin went bad and Order 66 was executed. You needed can, him engaged in something. Can, can I get on my Bizzle crybaby soapbox for a second here? Yeah, go for it. So, you know, my initial response, other than me feeling sick all week and being in a shitty mood, my initial mixed response to the Clone Wars announcement was mostly that I just really wanted Siege of Mandalore, specifically live-action Ahsoka. And I think the announcement has at best delayed and probably confirmed we're not going to get live-action Ahsoka anytime soon, which not only have I come to terms with, but I'm really excited about the Clone Wars stuff, which is fine. But you know what's ironic, Jedi Kikro? When you watch the Clone Wars, the most human and natural thing in the Clone Wars is the face of Ahsoka Tano. It's so expressive it just makes you think they could totally pull it off. And the, it the fact that they started structuring entire episodes where she was a lecturer or she was in the library and that was the Clone Wars episode and they're amazing. I mean, they just realized how important she was and how much, how, how much great stuff they were getting out of her. So maybe now to transition, what is, I know this was semi-retcon by the Clone Wars coming after this in our chronology, but what's in, do you think Anakin is thinking about Ahsoka as he's getting madder and madder at the Jedi Council as this goes along? Oh yeah, clearly. Yeah. We can see that his trust in the Jedi Council was shaken when Anakin, when Ahsoka left the Jedi Order. So if you look at the downfall of Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka plays a huge part in it. And we're talking right now over some fantastic mm-hmm. music. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, there's R2-D2. I hear a scream. Lots of screams. I love the little touch right there of the destroying mm-hmm. of the tower there. Yep. Looks good. Looks good. Do they, do they come right in? Yep. yep. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like, you almost could put that into, like, a solo film. Yeah, well, Serenity has that shot. The Matrix, one of the uh, sequels, has that shot. I, I, it, yep. It's so convincing when you yeah, go in on that. But, Jay Google, really quickly, is it fair to say that the the rapid and radical turning against the council, in addition to Palpatine's manipulations, isn't fully sold to us until we see the final Ahsoka episodes in the Clone Wars? And then you're like, okay, Anakin must really resent the council at this point. I think it varies from person to person. Well, I'll just talk for me. For me, it finally made sense then. And watching it now, it makes... Okay, but sorry. This is the key. This is it. This is where Obi-Wan thinks the situation is chill and he's just joking around. But he should be continuing to humble Anakin, but he's boosting his ego. I don't know if it would change anything. It's a weird hypothetical. I don't think it would have. Mm-hmm. I, I think it just shows that they were practically brothers. You yeah. see them so positive. 
but they really sell in the Clone Wars this that it goes from kind of uh, uncle nephew uh, older brother younger brother to like almost like equal brothers in the Clone Wars we didn't see that in Attack of the Clones it really builds up to this well I, it, you know they they really sold that um, okay next positivity bomb you ready Go for it. More Jar Jar. If they should have more Jar Jar in this movie, they need a little bit of lightness in this film. And Lucas reacted understandably too much to the haters. In retrospect, I almost wish there was a couple more little Jar Jar things in this movie. It would have definitely been interesting and added a little bit more positivity, humor to, you know, light to the film because it is a dark film. All right. Hey, look, Can look I, at the film. It's just absolutely beautiful. There's Jimmy Smith. Well, okay, Bail Organa. Here we go. He's great in the Clone Wars, too. His relationship with Padme, et cetera, we see here as well. And we see C-3PO in brand new gold armor. Look at the costume on Anakin. It's way better than the oh, Clone that's what I want to talk about. Like, that's what I want to talk about. How medieval the costuming is in this movie, especially Anakin's costume and Obi-Wan's costume. They look like Knights Templar from the Crusades, and that's not an accident. People hone in on the fact that he's in black and Obi-Wan's in, you know, white or whatever, or tan, but um, we'll get back to this later. But, um, d- but I love that they make him look straight up like a medieval knight. It works so well with the milia. Remember, you know, we talk about George Lucas wanting to project the Roman Empire and the downfall of the Roman Empire into the medieval age, etc., etc. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of this moment right here between Anakin and Padme? I think Natalie Portman acts her fucking ass off in this movie with what she's given. That's what I'll say. I mean, do you, does it click for you? It doesn't bother me the way it used to. This moment, because this is a very huge moment right here. It's, it's just weird because I just did V for Vendetta, which literally came out six months after this. And she looks exactly the same age. I kind of want to wait till the end to say what I'm going to say about Padme, but Padme blows me away. Teaser at the end of this movie. I love the emotions on Anakin's face. Like, he, he's going through everything in his head. Wait, did she just say she's pregnant? Yeah, that's the moment. So Darth Vader not only ignores the fact that she was pregnant, but that he would that Luke would go to Tatooine. It makes no sense. It does make sense. Okay, well, you can explain it to me over the course of the, the film. He has no, He wants nothing to do with Tatooine. He doesn't want to go back there. Yeah. This is made clear in uh, extended canon material. And you see it in the Clone Wars movie as well. I I will say this, Jagged Girl. In Attack of the Clones, she's already a woman and he's kind of still a boy. Now that they're both adults, it's just less cringeworthy. And any cringeworthiness in this film is is the writing and the actors are doing a much better job. Oh, I agree. And now we're seeing Udipal here. So does Obi-Wan not see Anakin again? Until the Uh, end? I'm trying to think. I think, yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think you're right, yep. So, so I know we're not there yet, but Obi-Wan right, ride, riding on. the lizard is amazing. Go ahead. Right here, did this scene right here, where you just see it, one, con- well, it's not a continuous shot. But it was interesting, you know, seeing the ship come in and land and then him run out.
No, see, he looks like Sidious post going in that scene. By the way, when yeah, yeah, you know, and then uh, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I did not know they were one and yeah. the same until before we went to the set. Yeah, one of like our funny, one of our funny gags in the Phantom Menace, which I forgot about, was you being young and naive. <laughs> you kept saying before you're like, "Well, I was young and naive," so <laughs> you're kind of. <laughs> Well, it makes me, endure, you know, enduring. You don't need any help. And but, Paul, so but <laughs> powerful. More powerful. Yeah, I was trying to do the quote there and yeah. nail it, but... Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Oh, of course, that looks so good. This looks like Blade but Runner on crack. It's so beautiful. I mean, if you look at it, it's just... I just, Yeah, I really okay. think they should All visit right. this year. Okay. I, I'm not even going to com- comment on the brushing of hair here in, in this whole dotingness in the creep it, this they should be playing this for creepiness because that's how it comes off to me and it would be more interesting but instead lucas thinks it's coming off as just pure love whatever my bigger problem though jiggy girl is do you have you ever seen the shows on the cw like arrow and flash and supergirl and so forth yeah is they yeah, nah. the problem is in addition to lots of corny dialogue is they're constantly using this slowly spinning camera the network shows use this as well on their big shows where they're constantly spinning the cameras and if you look at movies from lord of the rings but even v for vendetta they're constantly shooting close up on the faces of the actors with great backgrounds and look here when it's just going back and forth to their faces it looks great but then lucas feels like he needs to do these spinny shots to add extra uh, dr- you know drama and, and I'm not a huge fan of that that technique. They're good You're here. They're okay. They're okay. I'm 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 gonna give it to them. You're talking about the quick back and forth. Oh, here we go. Now you are the philosopher. I think it's philosophy. What is it when it? What is it? No, no, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But what is it when you predict something? What is it when you try to avoid to something that you is predicted to happen, but by trying to predict it and happening, you cause it to happen? What is that called? It's basically a self-fulfilling prophecy, but this has multiple layers because the 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 supposed prophecy of her dying is actually leading him to the emperor which leads him to kill her he doesn't realize he's the instrument of the death he's seeing he thinks he needs to save her but because of that so it's it's a little bit more complicated actually than a self-fulfilling prophecy the overall philosophy has to do with prescience and this comes from dune and so forth and how far can you see but really what it is jaggy girl is a scientific principle called the heisenberg uncertainty principle which basically states that the observer affects the observed and we can see this on every level you can't observe anything objectively right he's seeing this prophecy but then he starts acting differently because of the prophecy which then leads to the prophecy if that makes sense um yeah and so that's that's ultimately what's going on is uh it's also yeah go ahead what i was gonna say is the thing about i like that looking into the future into the forest is it's constantly moving like Yoda says so even though he sees it happening it's one of many possible futures yep it's just because this future is so dark why it resonates with him so strongly and we got to see the little trinket that Annie gave Panama when he was younger I love that tying into the the Phantom Minister woo look at those abs baby woo oh yeah Better than uh, Kylo, I think. 
<laughs> Simi would agree with you. He doesn't understand why girls think Kylo's hot. <laughs> well, I, d- I don't really care for the high-waisted pants. Yeah. And Hayden Christensen, obviously, is younger here. Yeah. And you can see the yeah. more light in his skin. So I've said, and I will continue to say, I appreciate Hayden more and more. But hypothetically, if Lucas had known Matt Lanter before casting this, it would be interesting. It would have been really interesting. Because that Anakin, is, it's more disturbing in some ways because he's such a nice, honorable guy who's doesn't never creepy. Beautiful shot here at the temple. Oh, here we go. By the way, Ahsoka premonitions about um, I forgot in the cartoons is a big thing. Look how respectful he is and composed. And look at the lighting here. I love the lighting here on Anakin and Yoda here. And then Yoda, CCG, looks a lot better, too. But yeah, well, also, by you pointed out, you want to sell CGI Yoda? Put him in shadow like this, or partial shadow. It's a great way to sell it. I mean, they didn't need to sell it. He already looked great, but he looks better here, as you pointed out. He does. Fear of loss is a path to the dark side. Again... The Jedi are partially right and partially wrong. And this is a more down-to-earth Yoda mm-hmm. because Do, of his arc in the Clone Wars. Can, can I bring the Clone Wars episode that I watched today, Among the Million, that re- reminds me of this? Yeah, go for it. Do you remember we, we first have the Luminara and Luminara's with um, Barris and Barris and Ahsoka are buried and and, and the, uh, 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 Anakin and, and Luminar are fighting. You know, Anakin wants to save them. Luminar says you have to let go of your Padawan or whatever. And Barris is the same way. Barris is like, oh, we're going to die. It's part of the forest. And Ahsoka's like, no, I'm not giving up. You know, I think there is a fighting spirit to, to living with with Anakin and Ahsoka. And the Jedi are, are fatalistic to a flaw, you know? And, and their fatalism leads ultimately to Sidious and, and so forth. Um, what, I thought that episode really resonated. And it's one I remembered from before, but really hit me when I saw it again. Okay, so see, they haven't seen it. You should have for the last time no, yet. Not yet. Not yet. No. Soon. Right. Less liberating, more action. Yeah. The the the, the, the costumes on the Jedi. They actually they yeah. they fit a lot better. They're okay. not as awkward. Forget what you see on screen with Padme or don't see on screen with Padme and Anakin in this movie. The fact that he so blatantly disrespects her diplomatic and, you know, ideals about democracy and so forth in an offhand way is just one of many ways that she's disrespected both intentionally and unintentionally in this film, in my opinion. Yeah. She clearly doesn't agree with what he just says about, you know, give him more power, less deliberation, more action. (laughs) Right. Here we go. Here we go. By the way, tease. The scene between them watching the Cirque du Soleil carnival performance is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. I can't wait for that. Ian McDermott does such a good job playing such a delicious villain. I love his role in this film. He he plays the vulnerable old man so well and the -the over-the-top villain later in the film and He's just so 
delicious. I am putting the chances of Ian McDermott and Frank Oz appearing with their voices in New Clone Wars at 120%. <laughs> oh, I can, I can definitely see that. Definitely Ian McDermott after Rebels is for sure going to happen. I actually don't love the writing for not Frank Oz Yoda and some of the Clone Wars, but it's great in these movies. Here we go. Okay. So this I do not understand. You'll have to explain this to me. Yes. Why they give with one hand, taketh with the other, but in the reverse. Right. You would think they would give him rank of master, but not on the council, but you can be on the council. It just, yeah. Because it's a political move. Palpatine is making a political move to put a representative on the council on his behalf. He wasn't decided to put on the council by the Jedi, but by Palpatine. They are agreeing with it. But because they <sighs> d- it wasn't their choice, they're not going to properly elevate him. Uh, Jedi Geeko, I know we don't agree the extent to which is the case, but I know we agree that there is a Sith virgins working them. And the fact that Yoda doesn't realize who Darth Sidious is till the very end of this movie and the way Mace Windows acting and so forth, it seems to me, even with the Jedi's arrogance, they're irrational here to an almost unbelievable degree. If you don't bring in the Sith virgins theory, if you look at the Clone Wars here, you can see that while we look at it and it's very simple, there's a lot of twists and turns. And they wrestle with it when they should have been a lot clearer. I mean, that's the point of the prequel era trilogy when it comes to the Jedi is that they're so flawed that you, you just shake your head like, don't you see this? No. And this is we see this in real life. Yeah, you're right. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yep. Exactly. So it, to, to me, it doesn't seem unrealistic. Because we see people like that all the time. I mean, not to get political or anything, but, you know, you know. Yeah, the problem is Obi-Wan shouldn't be explaining, just explaining that rationale, but trying to have him make sense of what's going on. But he's playing into the fear and paranoia. And this right here. When he asked Anakin to spy for them. Yep. Maybe, yeah. This is why he turns on Obi-Wan right here. You're right. This is why. Well, well, the thing about it is, is Palpatine, basically everything Palpatine tells Anakin is true. Yeah. You know, he says that the Jedi are going to betray him. And from a certain point of truth, uh, you... They basically do. Allegiance to the Senate. Yeah, that's not problematic at all. I mean, they shouldn't be on Coruscant for so many reasons. I agree. They shouldn't be in a political arena. I mean, here's the thing, Jedi Geek Girl. In some way... Okay, first of all, guys, I want to apologize for if you understandably took my comment about George Lucas being a bad director out of uh, context. 
George Lucas is an amazing director at times, but the way he handles Natalie Portman, which maybe we'll get to later, really just made me angry. And so I went off on him in Attack of the Clones. Whatever. Maybe we'll get back to that. But uh, I, I think they almost didn't play up the father figure fact enough. Uh, father figure yeah, fact enough with Palpatine. It, it's implied so heavily that he's the father he never had, right? Or whatever. They almost could have, uh, you know, I, I was going to say it was, I accused George of being heavy handed, but at other times he's not heavy handed enough. And they maybe could have played up that fatherly role a little bit. They definitely could. Like I said before, it seems like they were trying to cram so much into the prequel trilogy that some areas that should have been explored more should have been. And look at the cutaway here. So this wow. is template of design for the Cold War. The Cold War, the Clone Wars. <laughs> uh, different thing. All right. Jaggy Girl, we've talked about this before, but many young female Star Wars fans really like or love Revenge of the Sith, but realize how problematic Padme's role or lack thereof is in this movie. So I want you to talk about it. Uh, you don't have to right now, but at some point I'd love for you to talk about it because I know you love her, but also realize that it's complicated and, and problematic. The whole thing about her portrayal and Revenge of the Sith is that there's actually more to the story that got cut out of the film and because of it her character really suffers you can see the little conflict between him right between them right now with the political views and stuff like that and there's more to that in the deleted scenes whoa he was just a dick to her he's abusive i don't know why she puts up with his abuse I mean, I guess that happens in relationships all the time, unfortunately. Nothing but our love. Um, there was still a war going on then, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just found that a little funny. Yeah, I mean... Oh, here we go. The opera scene here. And obviously we have yeah. a little choice. Just really quick, here. really quick before we get to the scene. Padme from the Clone Wars to Padme in Episode Three is the transition that makes the least sense, even way less than Anakin. I mean, Anakin's actually makes sense after the Clone Wars. Padme's does not. You also have to look at the Clone Wars as, but the Clone Wars that we have right now, at the least, is like a year before. Okay. So, I mean, things do happen. The thing is, (laughs) I feel the Sith Virgins watching this scene. Like it's almost coming through my screen how how dark the force is moving here you can definitely sense that the the music plays an important part Mm -hmm. in that feeling and the purple and black very menacing it is okay let's analyze this let's analyze this I always think he kneels longer, but he goes to sit down in the main seat. Look, at he's in the emperor's chair, essentially, in the middle here. Watch this. Yep. Doesn't even think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. He's starting the, yep. the, the pitch, the hard sell. Well, it starts as a soft sell and gets harder. He senses a plot the Jedi to betray him. See, he's telling the truth. 
Anakin doesn't accuse him of See? being Sith here, right? Yeah. The the Jedi want control of the Republic. They basically go to get you know. Mm-hmm. He plays to him, you know. He's like a father figure. He's so friendly and devious. I mean, it's it's <laughs> when you add the Ahsoka storyline, this makes so much more sense. Because you're pissed after that, you know, as a watcher, yeah. I mean, can you honestly, in the moment, you know, blame Anakin? It's like, you have this guy who's been nothing but honest with you and nice, and then you have the Jedi Council that you've been a part of, basically, quote, wants you to betray the trust and do questionable things. I mean, that just doesn't sit right. It's just wouldn't sit right with you you know right the question is is the is the the dark force uh the dark side of the force moving actually less strong in anakin and more strongly in the rest of the jedi council and that's making his feelings more confused it could go either way yeah there's just so much going on right now in the galaxy at this Mm -hmm. point in time that Mm -hmm. Sounds like a lot of people I know. <laughs> but should I don't. I do, point. I do like his delivery, though, where it sounds like he's repeating a lesson as opposed to something he believes. Now, do you think it would be cool if Ian McDermott and Hayden Christian reacted uh, reacted to scene? Hmm. I think it would be interesting. Because it's just so... Mwah. So... I've said Jedi Geek Girl, this plot twist and what you described earlier about the sort of two to three level self-fulfilling prophecy that's, that's, you know, uh, reflexive in that the, the dreams of the prophecy is what sets in motion the events that lead to it as opposed to the opposite, which really gets going here. I think is one of the greatest and most unappreciated, maybe the greatest, most unappreciated plot twist in all of star Wars. Again, having read Dune and similar things, you get into prophecy impressions. This is so interesting because Darth Plagueis in this entire thing could be a lie. I'm not saying it is or isn't based on legends or, or hold on one sec or, um, or current Canon. Um, but the, the fact is this could all be a manipulation from beginning to end because he's just trying to achieve a goal, which is, for him to become Darth Vader to turn against all the people that he loves. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say here that we got a scene coming, the moment here that's really beautiful. But anyways, quickly I want to talk about Darth Plagueis. I remember when this film came out, people did not know if he was real or fictional. He became canon and he was created an actual person. But at this point in time, you don't know if he is telling historical fact if he is telling a legend that it's inspired by historical fact or he's just telling something to Look, his teeth let's work backwards we know saving from death is bullshit so why can't Darth Plagueis be bullshit not from a Jedi not from a Jedi it's all a lie Beautiful it's delivery. all a lie he can't help save Padme but Vader, he's he's too far gone as Vader by the end to even question the fact that it was all a lie that led to him killing Padme. I I did. I don't think it's it's a um. 
I don't think it's a lie. The, the point is, the, I, the reason I think it is brilliant is because it could go either way. That's I, I'm praising it for the, the fact that the effect he's trying to achieve, he achieves regardless of whether it's true or not. I agree 100%. You could definitely go eat away with it. Yoda Paul. Yoda can't really say it. Crushed on it. Do you think Yoda, part of the reason he goes to the Wookiees this early, he sees subconsciously feels like he needs to get away from the situation and never really trust the clones? Well, the thing about it is, is this is actually covered in a unfinished arc of the Clone Wars, his relationship with the Wookiees. He goes to them because of his relationship with the Wookiees. But, but if you look at the Clone Wars series, Yoda knows mm -hmm. that darkness is coming. But he continues to clog the, you know, mm -hmm. the real emotion, mm -hmm. dis despite knowing this. It's it's yeah. so brutal seeing Cody being the first clone to flip. <laughs> There is so much action in this film. Rookies. Yep. What? And the music. And yet, like Rogue One, while I love the action, it's the not action parts that make me really love the movie. Yeah, this movie, it seems like it has a good balance of action and non-action. I love that right there with the rookies. Ships. There we go. This is the last moment. How do you do? You, do you like the CGI Wookiees or the more practical ones we saw in uh, Solo? Actually, I think I'm right off the right now. Without thinking about it, I think I gotta go this one just because the rookies that we saw in Solo, most of them were like malnutrition, you know. Yep. Here we go. Here's the speech. This right. Pumping his ego even more. Yeah, but that line right there is the, is the worst because. It shows Obi-Wan doesn't know what it means to be a great Jedi. Luke is never going to be as physically powerful as his dad, but Luke's a much greater Jedi than Anakin ever will be. Mm-hmm. Right here. Last moment. Goodbye, old friend. I'll first be with you. And that's the last moment. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. He's just creepy. I don't know. It just... <sighs> here we go. You know, you're watching this film, and you know what's coming when the first time you see it. The dread. Like, this whole film, you know what's coming. And you're like, no, 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 no. I just always forget it gets put in motion this relatively early on. All right, here's the clones who look just like their animated selves. But they look a lot better than an attack of clones. Oh, yeah. And we see their face faces. Mm-hmm. So, the way, or we'll get to it, I just want to tease, the way Order 66 is portrayed in this movie is different than the way w w we learn about it in 
the Clone Wars, which is it's more of a chip in their brains that activates. It doesn't really come across that way in this film, but we'll, we could talk about it when we get there. Oh, here we go. All right. So, is there anything between Obi Wan and Padme behind the scenes? No. 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 I, I'm not a shipper like that. Yeah, but he's. Really- but Anakin's jealous. He brings it up later, or doesn't he? Well, we see in the Clone Wars that yeah, Anakin Obi-Wan's is very jealous. Oh, 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 he came by here this morning. Mm-hmm. We see in the Clone Wars that Anakin's very easily jealous. Yeah. He's jealous. And if we see the same bedroom in Attack of the Clones. This echoes the scene in Attack of the Clones. Look at it. They're, they're, they're in her bedroom. And Anakin. You know. Except that this is scarier because now he's physically dominating over her, which he was in episode two. Right. I mean, I'm just speaking the truth about what ultimately happens here. No, no, I agree with you because yeah. he's like a boy yeah. in episode two and, and when they're in the room right now. Now he's a, you know, a man. He's a war hero. He's a Jedi Knight. Yeah, and, and because of the way Palpatine manipulates this false prophecy is why I'm okay with the dying in childbirth thing, you know? It's sold through the, the, the fascination with how those events unfold. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. I remember seeing the aliens for the first time and how creepy they were. Because if you remember the trailer, we just see them smile. We did not know what to expect from them. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five. Go ahead. There is no war here unless you brought it with you. It basically gives a understanding of what the war feels like in the other parts of the universe. We see it in the Clone Wars, but at this point in time, we really haven't seen it. So, look at these little guys. They, they, they remind me of little drawers. Just right here. The, fa- the fact that Obi-Wan, who's constantly off on mission solo, is able to sell chemistry with Anakin in the two movies is just a miracle in itself. God, I love Ian McDermott in this. And Ian McGregor. I meant to say it a lot, but I said the Yeah, I was like, I oh shit, both. are we in the same place? Okay, so... Look, it, it's no secret that while on paper you'd think a Han Solo movie would do better, they do an Obi-Wan movie with you and McGregor, people would be lining up around the block. Oh, yeah, because with the Han Solo, we got a new actor. With an Obi-Wan movie, we're getting the same actor. And no matter if you love the prequels or don't like the prequels, everybody pretty much loves Ian McGregor. I mean... Right there, that shot right there, classic Jedi. With the hood and him looking up in the beard. 
the fact that Alec, the fact that Alec Guinness is Obi Wan is one of the greatest characters ever, and yet you watch it and you almost want to see you and McGregor. It just shows how brilliant he is. Okay, this is I always remember this for some reason. This particular thing, it looks so fake, but I just love it. It's beautiful. I actually, I actually do think it looks great. I actually think it looks a lot, a lot more theme seamless than yeah, it's some not bad. do. It's not no. bad. Yeah, it's like it. Yeah, it's like when he goes more balls to the wall with the effects, it works better. The the way that this film looks and the execution execution of it definitely makes me want a film like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it almost makes you wish that he would have done another movie like how he did this. The problem is, Episode Nine has so many strands; they're not going to have nearly enough time to do this kind of world building. I don't think. Maybe. Maybe, but they, it seems like they're doing a smaller focus in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I think the Ryan Johnson trilogy and the Game of Thrones guys trilogy do doing a lot more of this kind of stuff. I would think. Do. I, I love what he does with his beard here, with his okay. or mustache. So, explain to me again why it's necessary for Obi-Wan to be here right now. Right here. So, he is tracking down General Grievous. Because General Grievous, without Count Dooku, is basically, quote-unquote, the leader. Even though we know he's not. Hello there. Love this moment. General Kenobi. Look at his confidence. I love this pose right there. Look Don't at his you? hair. It's all tussled. I love it. Look how tussled yeah. his hair is. Yeah. Look, he is so well refined as a Jedi. Boom. Thing is, Obi-Wan's mischievousness is what makes him great and strong at times, but also blinds him to how serious the situation actually is. He thinks they've, look, they've won already. Yeah, but look, look, he is so confident. I know, but he shouldn't be. Based on Anakin no. and based on what's going on with Palpatine, if he knew what was going on, he wouldn't be this confident. Here we go. No, but it shows the arrogance of the Jedi that yeah. even Obi-Wan is susceptible to it. Look at the grin. It's like, I got this. He's so in it, man. Ewan McGregor. Ugh. Oh, my God. Seeing this for the first time. This makes so much sense, too, as an attack. Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, I don't. I think, I think Ewan McGregor is the only actor that is having an extremely good time through all three movies. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And as I've said, regardless of my criticisms of the writing and the filming, whenever Obi-Wan's on screen in episodes two and three, it just gets better. See, even though this lightsaber fight is close, you can still see what's going on. Yeah, you can still follow it. I'm I'm sorry. I keep happy. I keep, you know, knocking the fighting in episode two, but... It's just so... It works in this one. And then we see the clones. Which again, you know, the, the, the heartbreaking reveal of their betrayal of the Jedi is so much worse after watching six seasons of the Clone Wars and them being such loyal good guys. It is. And we see his oh, eyes. Oh, here it is. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. See, that's... Yeah, that's the texture they need think so i love it
Can, can I ask Mike you? Hold I, on. Be, okay. Be, be, before we do, what is one common theme that I keep saying whenever we do common case? I don't know. My There's, goodness, yeah. this is the better than I remember. It's oh, yeah. so good. But you had a question. Go ahead. Um, so, really quick big picture thing. So, th this Clone Wars thing, they've been keeping secret for a while, right? They must have been planning this at least a year ago. So, what's one of the things Disney was criticized for, at least initially, was, you know, trying to ignore or write out the prequels or whatever, even though that was never the case. That was the perception. Mm -hmm. Do you think there was a moment at Lucasfilm where they were like, actually, a lot of our fans love the prequels and we should embrace it and we haven't been embracing it enough? I quickly, I just want to quickly touch upon this because it seems like we could talk about it forever. But basically, what they had to do is they had to reconnect with the original trilogy fans and basically said, hey, we can do Star Wars. We can give you Star Wars if you perceive to be Star Wars to be the original trilogy that is what we're going to focus on but they they had no intention of leaving the prequels in the dust because the prequels trilogy is a part of Star Wars but they needed to get back the fans we read it's like we need to build a relationship with the OT fans first because those are the roughest before mm. we can do the prequel trilogy fans because oh here we go did less repairing but you know what I'm saying here yeah sorry talks about the dark side of the force surrounds the chancellor the question is, or not the question, I think for sure it's not just that the dark side is clouding these guys, but that it's empowering Sidious. Well, the thing about it is the dark side of the force is around a Sith, yes, but it's around other people too. Like, shit, shit, well, no shit, it says that the force surrounds people, so. Yeah, Chirrut says the force moves darkly around the one who's going to kill. You would think Chirrut would actually be the guy to pick up on Sidious in this situation. I think he would have. I think if Cher was here, he was known. Which begs the question, will we see sort of a multi-tiered, uh, you know, Ray-led um, force council where it's not just Jedi, but people who are, you know, not force-sensitive, but sensitive to the force, like Chirrut, and, and, you know, wise people in general, not necessarily just Jedi. Because when Jedi surround Jedi, they just make bad decision after bad decision. At least here. That, and I don't want to get too real wordish. I'll just that's the problem with organized in this world, Jedi religion. You know, what I'm saying? Yep. they're so organized that they lose track of what they're doing. Although I would but, argue that the quote unquote American way of life, while not a religion in sort of the traditional spiritual sense, also acts in a similar negative way and getting people to conform to things and not question them enough. Oh my God, the costumes! I. I mean, look, I love medieval stuff. You know, Kingdom of Heaven is one of my favorite movies. I've done a commentary on it. I'm going to do another commentary. The, the, the medieval nature, in particular, of this movie, sort of the Roman Catholic Templar look of these costumes is not a coincidence. And, and I love the design. And you know, I am watching this. Just oh, here like we go. You did after Attack of the Clones, and you can definitely see it, you know, up a notch. This is it. This is, this is the reveal. And you can see the conflict in Anakin. A larger view of the Force. Mm -hmm. uh, so delicious. So delicious. I mean, this... <laughs> Whatever. 
I'm saying death. See, now is the time look. to shake the camera and swing it around. And look at the look smile on his face. Yep. Yeah, because he put the dream in there. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't agree with that. He clearly did, because it's, it, it's, it's not true. The the dream is, like I said, the future is uncertain. There's so many different routes. Well, no, let me put it this way. He didn't put the prophecy that she would die in childbirth. She does die in childbirth, but he clouds the, the cause of it because he's the cause of it. Ultimately. I mean, look, George Lucas clearly realized he needed to have even more Ian McDermott in episode three, right? I mean, it, it, is, oh, yeah. it is an obvious decision. And right there, he nails the uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and at at Celebration last year, the year before, he talks about this relationship being one of the most satisfying of his career. And I totally believe him. Even though he's a legendary actor, Hayden Christian hasn't done much. You can tell he loves working with this kid. Right here, we're seeing the pinnacle of Anakin as a Jedi. He's going to do the right thing. At least temporarily, right? Right. I'm saying in the moment, he's doing the right thing. So, yeah, I mean, I can't come to any other conclusion other than the more crazy Lucas goes with the CGI, the better it looks. This looks fantastic. It does. I think he had to pick his spots, too, you know? like. Well, I also think he had to work on his technique and, yeah. you know, not only that, but a lot of technology developed in the six years of yeah. The Phantom Menace to Revenge of the Sith. And look, JG Girl, I'm going to be honest. There are things, effects-wise, in the prequels that look better than the new movies. And there are things in oh. the Clone Wars that look better than Rebels. And oh, watching agree. the Clone Wars again, it, it's so cinematic the way they swing around the camera. There's too much fighting for my taste. I love the Rebels plots and characters, but the Clone Wars uh, like shooting, quote-unquote, like, in terms of cinema, is spectacular. And again, we see a fight like we never have seen before. right here but no i agree with you about what you were saying about the pickle trilogy mm. and moments and the sequel trilogy do you right think beating hot well do you think lucas was considering having dooku be the one to last this long in the movie but he's like you know what i need anakin to kill him early to set how dark things are you need to get rid of dooku to set up the stage of aveda taking the apprenticeship uh from dark sidious And you needed to have time for that to soak. So it makes complete mm-hmm. sense. Right here. Mm-hmm. So uncivilized. And the blaster, that yeah. sounds like the, the Naboo blaster. I think, I think the main problem with this film, even compared to episode two, is the pacing is really... I mean, we're an hour and seven in. It's and <laughs> yeah no go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say what about an hour and seven? Yeah no no I'm just saying I, it it's the second One half of, the, of this movie always is is longer time wise than I think it's going to be. But then you get One to the final sorry you get to the final final act and you're glad that you have that long extended bit you know. 
one of the key things that led to the downfall of Anakin Skywalker is the lack of trust Mace Windu had in Anakin Skywalker. Can I ask you a question? Go for it. So you take An- uh, the Hayden, Hayden's Anakin's like darkest five to seven moments or looks or whatever in the, in the final two movies. Does Matt Lanter's Anakin ever have one moment as dark as some of the darker Anakin moments in the movies? I'm not sure we ever get that. Uh, the Mortis Trilogy. It's very brief, but can, we see it in the Mortis Trilogy. Can, can you elaborate for our listeners? Mortis Arc. Okay, so in the Mortis Arc, which is like a place between worlds, he is given... He was shown by the sun a glimpse of the future, and he saw himself became, come, become Darth Vader. And in an effort to put, not become that, he becomes that. So basically he turns evil, and then he is purified by the Father, basically undoing what the Son did. Mm. But once this he saves Ahsoka, right here, he kind of goes back this, to normal. Yeah. This moment right here, we, we, we gotta let it play out, because right here... Beautiful, right here. Kind of just play out. And this is why I said, sorry, this is why I said in the beginning, why I don't know who else other than Hayden could do this stuff. It's asking so much of an actor. So beautiful. Listen to the music. Yeah, this almost sounds like Lord of the Rings shit with the, the vocals. Like you can, right here, they're doing the acting with the, the facial expressions and body body language these parallel scenes here tell me that lucas can pull this stuff off he maybe should have done more of it but it's really effective when he does does go for it now we see hayden christensen's look you can already see the darkness on and panama right here right here she is she knows where the republic is going she can see it the Chancellor has been in power for 13 years. But couldn't you at least have her be in the Senate in some of these scenes as opposed to just wearing a dress and standing on a balcony? <laughs> I mean, she, she, she had her scenes, but they were cut. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. It really does suck. I recommend watching the deleted scenes if you haven't, listeners, because you yeah. get to see a lot of Padme's arc. We see the mealman here. All right, here we go. Now look how dark. See, the moment... Here. But the Padme book is the most pr- prioritized in this next wave. They're clearly trying to step up their game on the Padme front. Oh, here we go. This party's over. <laughs> yep. Mace Windu turns out to be not the best fighter. Uh, he's pretty it's decent. Tough. It's Sidious, yeah. Streets and then. Does Sidious fight with two sabers in the Clone Wars? Yeah, he does. I don't know how they got Ian McDermott to do this. It looks amazing. I guess they got old Obi-Wan. They got Alec Guinness to do it in the original. Well, they, they do a lot of editing here because neither one of them are good fighters. So this is all editing. The purple on red looks great. It does. 
I would have staged this a little differently, but it's super dramatic. I think you, I, like I said, it's all editing. Oh, so what? So Anakin has a feeling. That's the thing. The second half of this movie, I just get lost in the plot twist sometimes. So he has a feeling something's going down. So he comes. Whoa. Whoa. Flippy flip. Flippy. Yep. That's some good shooting right there. Right here. Yeah, right there. With the window. You know someone's going out. It's not going to be palpy. <laughs> So uh, uh, coming up, I want you to explain why the lightning display causes him to change shape. It disfigures him. So he never used the full powers before, I guess. Mm -mm, my lord. Yeah, this is great. So this is, I always say that he's, slightly surprised that Anakin actually goes through with it here. No. <laughs> here we go. Oh my god. It's like this moment You, when you're watching it, you always want him to do the right thing. Because you know what's going to happen. You're going to be like, no. No. He's playing the weak man here. He's letting yep. himself be disfigured. Even while it's then shooting lightning. Yep. Okay, so when I said there was two moments in the Star Wars saga when Palpatine bet everything. The first one was with Luke, and this is the second one. He does not know it's going to work. Yeah. He is gambling here. And we see here... Playing the weak man. I love how they're building up a bit. Yeah, he must stand trial, but Dooku, no. Yeah. <laughs> you, you He's playing the weak man here. But he just saw the lightning display. Yeah, Anakin's already gone. His brain's yep. already gone. Yeah. No, watch. See, he's surprised. No, he kills him. Yep. So beautiful. Uh, well done. Yeah. Unlimited power. Yeah. <laughs> uh, George Lucas. God bless your lack of restraint in all things. <laughs> what have I done? All right, Jacob, I got to take you out of the narrative here for a second and ask you, did you think he was going to go Darth Vader this relatively early when you saw it? Do you remember? Uh, I remember being a little surprised it happened this relatively early, like halfway through. I wasn't. You were not. I, I didn't pay much attention to it. So, I was in it for the ride. I'm not going to lie. When, when I saw this scene in particular right here, I, I wasn't totally sold that he would embrace the dark side this fully. But given everything we know now and seeing all these things many times, Clone Wars, etc., it, it makes sense. 
he basically knows that he cannot go back. He, he, he did something that there's no coming back from in his perspective. So he has to follow through. Right. And yeah, Kylo tries to convince himself of that fact all the time, but he's constantly drawn to the light. The, right. But, you know, Anakin's not affected by that. But, you know, mm-hmm. Kylo's pulled to the light, Anakin pulled to the dark. We're seeing a name here. I, yeah, it doesn't really look like the Imperator of the Jedi, but that's fine. No, I, I know, but. So his eyes haven't turned yellow yet. Um, Anakin's? Anakin's, yeah. Yeah. We see the Imperial scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, this is him becoming Vader. He started down the path. You can still see the torture in him. So while he has turned, he has not completely turned. It's yeah. the act that yeah. he does over to the film, like the destroying of the Jedi temple and killing the Separatist leader is when he fully gets consumed by the dark side. So I would say that the process of him becoming Darth Vader while begins here isn't fully... His re- the realization mm-hmm. of it is through the act that we are going to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I a thousand percent agree with you. And here's a little bit of film critique. This is just straight up film critique, guys. Not criticism, just critique, which is you are right. And it is sold better later in the movie with his perceived betrayal of Padme and trying to kill her and thinking Obi-Wan's betrayed him. That is when he fully turns to Vader. And it's possible they maybe should have had restraint up till that point. Um, but he decided to go for it right here and be like, the Emperor's going to control him, even though you can see on Anakin's face that he's not totally convinced. Yeah, I like how in this scene, they're letting it play it out slowly. Like, they're not rushing through it. Oh, here we go. Yeah. This is, this is where... Do you think they had to have him kill children to, like, really <laughs> prove that he's Darth Vader? I think you had to... Uh, it doesn't hurt i mean from a selling the character standpoint yeah no i i think you had to show something to show that he is committed i mean obviously we know but as a film you need to Mm -hmm. do something that shows that he's committed Mm -hmm. look at it the scenes play so well like it's it's a nice flow right here Mm -hmm. not going too quickly can I just be honest about the Skywalker boys here real quick? Quickly. The fact that they're not the smartest, <laughs> the sharpest knives in the drawer, it really helps Luke and it really hurts Anakin. Like, it helps Luke that he's very centered and doesn't think too much. I here mean, we even, go. Even in Last Jedi, Yoda makes fun of him for being a dummy, right? Let's be honest. Here we go. March on a Jedi temple. And obviously we're seeing a throw forward to the last Jedi here. Dip. Here right comes there. the shot. Yep, there it is. Beautiful. Iconic. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I remember being shocked at the younglings thing the first time I saw that.
So the clones end up being so heroic and independent-minded in the series. It makes this Look so tragic. This. That's great. Little, this looks yeah. great. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. When he, they just go full CGI, everything works because it's all the same palette. And we're getting a glimpse right here of the Jedi <laughs> doing their thing. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, my God. And you know it's coming. Oh, Order 66 is coming right now. Yep. Is that, Co- is that Cody? That's Cody. You bastard. Right here. Ugh. Yep, they're going to try and shoot him down. Okay. Here we go. So when I saw this, this didn't seem like a subconscious trigger to me, but that makes way more sense. Cute Order 66. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That should trigger something. I didn't question it. Yeah. No, no, but it made me sympathize with the the the, the clones less. I sympathize with them right. more now because they didn't have a choice. Oh my god, so beautiful the music right here. Here we go. The one female Jedi gets murdered in about three seconds. Coming up. <laughs> uh, hashtag Ahsoka lives. Oh my god, I can't wait for the Siege of Mandalore. Up oh, there's Keanu Mundi. He's going down. By the way, notice how these guys look like the old school, like German style Nazi stormtroopers. Yeah. Here it comes. This is the saddest to me, even though we've never met this woman before. This is so sad. Because of how beautiful uh, this planet is. Ayla. This looks way better than Avatar. So beautiful. I wonder how much you got paid for that. <sighs> yep. You screwed up, Yoda. You dumb idiot. <laughs> There's a Sith temple underneath your feet. How can you not know what's going on? Plo Koon. Yeah, my ghost looking. You have to admit, in this portrayal, the clones really just look like robotic slaves with no mind of their own. Here we go. That's the Return of the Jedi move. Yeah, it, it, it's it's so beautiful. Like this, this, like what is it? Three, five minutes yeah. of this. I mean, this this is way darker, more depressing than Rogue One. No question about it. Rogue One is hopeful in the end, even though everyone dies. This is really disturbing and sad. Because there's no good guys. Everyone's a bad guy. No, it, 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 it's a tragedy. Whoop. You know, Yoda's portrayal in this film is obviously way better than Attack of the Clones. I mean, not only is he wise and a counsel to Anakin but he uh, the, his movements are a lot more fluid and a lot better and he gets a lot of action too you know I, I think Yoda looks great physically in all the movies I just the fact that he would never even consider that there was a multi-level conspiracy going on it, it just oh, here we go I can't believe they got away with this in a PG-13 Star Wars movie especially after Ahsoka taught these kids oh 
Yep, here's Padme looking out the window again, doing nothing. Oh no. God damn it. Now I'm about to cry. Motherfucker. <laughs> She's so good. It's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant because we, at this point in time, when this film came out, we did not know these characters as well as we do now. And now that we oh, yeah. we're post, we're in a close the Clone mm -hmm. Wars series. Mm -hmm. We live in a post the Clone Wars era. We know the impact of it and how much how how it hurts. So I I only watched the prequels. Up oh, here we go. Oh, I love this kid. He gets killed though, right? He does. It's he interesting to think where. I mean, I know technically where Kanan is right now, but just in general. Did you read the uh, Did you read the comic? I've case? I've read the first Kanan. I think definitely volume one. So you know where he was during. Yeah, Golden yeah, and saw his master get killed. Um, what I was gonna say was I I'd really only seen the prequels doing the commentary before the new movies came out. It'd been a long time, but when Jimmy Smith's Bail Organic comes out and the Force music plays in Rogue One, it gave me chills immediately. <laughs> Even though it was like such a tiny cameo, but you're just hoping for anything. I mean, the fact that Bail and Ahsoka and that small Force was working during the time post this is one of the only things that gives you hope, right? I mean, that keeps it together. It is. Like, like you can definitely see the darkness. The, the movie seemed to have taken a shift in how it's presented. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more dark darkness in night scenes. Yep. And by the way, they did a great job of subtly and not overselling the fact that Padme and Bale had a good relationship. And that would inform one of the reasons he would adopt Leia um, without going too over the top. We haven't seen it yet. There's a scene in the Senate coming up, I believe. The thing about it is it's Rogue One and with hope. We know where it's going. And while we do know where it's going, it's just it just puts the galaxy in such a dark place. Oh, here we go. Wow, it's like a There's the Corvette. So bright. <sighs> is that the same Corvette? Uh, yeah, I believe that is the Tanta 4. The Tanta 4? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right there on the same platform that he killed Grievous. He steals Grievous's ship, which needs to be a Star Wars Destiny card. You can definitely tell when I get emotional because you do a lot of the talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking my spots here. <laughs> I was going to say, when you see modern sci-fi movies like Guardians of the Galaxy, they're great, but it just shows how amazing the space stuff is with Lucas and the prequels. The ships look amazing. Oh, there's Bale. Yep. Yep. 
you can definitely see the descent in Anakin and his attitude. Why does he think his babies aren't born? What? I mean, what do you mean? The Emperor tells him later that Padme's dead. Right. And by the way, reneges on his promise to re- to reanimate her or whatever from Plagueis. But also, wouldn't the Emperor want to know that the babies are alive and want him to know that? Duh. He thinks that the babies were killed when he she was killed mm. because they basically, when she was buried, made her body look like she was pregnant. This was covered in a Darth Vader comic. Uh, the first volume, uh, volume two, first series, volume two. Or what if Palpatine, again, looking to the far future, knew that the babies were born, thinking to cultivate them? Because remember, in Empire, he's the, he's the one that says the child of Anakin Skywalker is alive or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Vader already knows about that, though. Right. He knows why the Empire strikes back. Right. He doesn't know that his, he did not, he did not know his children survived until after a new hope. Not a lot of three PO in this one. No, but there's it seems like there's more C three PO than there is in uh, the Last Jedi. I do love the notion that three PO is with Leia literally before she's born until after she dies. I think it's beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wipe that look off your face, 3PO. (laughs) Here we go. I mean, they nail Yoda. Like I've said, the only problem with Yoda in in the prequels is that there's too much definition on his face. Oh, he still looks a lot better in episode two. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. I would say you, McGregor, among many brilliant moments, the fact that he's able to sell surprise that Anakin's the betrayer is such a high level of difficulty. We haven't gotten there yet. We will. Uh, No, I can't. It's an amazing, it's one of those, you know, I talk, it's like, Sometimes it's like such an obvious moment for an actor, but they still make it convincing and heartbreaking. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say something. Uh, I'll get to that later, but we're seeing Mustafar here, which looks great. Really looks great. And now we're seeing, you know, we were talking about, um, what is it called? The contingency plan, post-return of the Jedi. Yes. This is this is an echo of it. Or I should say that is an echo of this. This you know, the pieces are done now. Let's wipe them off the board. Right. Well the question is and this is where the legend stuff, the whatever you want to call it, you know, if there are even more powerful Sith outside the galaxy and that's part of the emperor's plan the whole time, we just don't have that information right now. Uh, in Legends, at this point in time, there was only two Sith in this era. No, but I'm saying in Legends also, 
the old Republic going to Darth Malak, he knew that there was an even more powerful force of Sith outside their galaxy that they were even worried about, you know, like there was an awareness of that. It wasn't just based in this galaxy. And it makes you think why was Palpatine looking outside the galaxy with, you know, project Cinder and the, and whatever with his, uh, I'm sorry, the observatories. In legend, he's actually more concerned about the Bruce and Vaughn. He knows that they're coming. He doesn't know when, but he's mm-hmm. preparing for them. So in legend, he's more he's more focused. We're talking about Palpatine right now. Yeah. In this era, right. he's more focused on the Bruce and Vaughn. Yeah. But the fact that so they've makes- reintroduced some of that stuff in the books, the video games, etc., the comic books, and so forth is interesting. It basically stimulates the imagination, doesn't it? You know, and we're seeing here most of us. I would say this moment up here is when he submits himself as Vader. You, you think that yeah. you think that killing children would cement it, but I think this right here cements it. I think when you see the yellow eyes, yeah. that is George Lucas basically saying this is obviously he passed the point of no return, but this is the point of no return. That is, I, this is fantastic. He just walks in the room. Mm-hmm. And then just casually, and nobody's like freaking out. Mm-hmm. And there's the Imperial March right there. Look at look at this. It's so brief, but it looks so good. Look at Yoda lightsaber throw. Oh my god. God, you and Maria are so comfortable with the lightsaber. I cannot wait for that movie. It, it it's definitely happening. Oh, yeah, there's definitely. Yeah. And Ewan McGregor, like Harrison Ford, continues to look unbelievably good looking as he gets older. Mm-hmm. He's in the Winnie the Pooh movie this summer. I'm so excited. It's going to be adorable. Oh, there we go. No survivors, not even a youngling. So the question is, when does Yoda realize Anakin is who Anakin is? And if it took him this long, he's culpable for what some of what's happened. Because they say, don't train the boy in Phantom Menace, but he allows the training. He has reservations throughout the whole thing. And now he's acting like he knew the whole time. This is ex- exploded a little bit in the Clone Wars. Just killing without mercy. Plus, we see this killing as a right as opposed to the yeah. Mhm. Has left me scarred. Yeah, that's a good excuse. I'll, I, I'll give it to him. Yeah, you know. Here we go. Right here's the relationship forming here with Bale and uh, Padme. Oh, it's been formed way before this. They had a good relationship. Look at her. Brutal, quick and effective. Yep, there it is. Yep, we see the guy in the background too. I think, contrary to popular belief, Padme would have positive experience feelings about this whole thing if she wasn't bashed so much in the press and by nerds. She's she's clearly having fun at certain points. So, like, look how look how in, in in this scene she is. 
right here, this is the first part of what breaks Panama. The republic that she serves and loves passionately is crumbling right before her. You can see it all over her face. She's on the verge of tears. The, the, the government that she serves is crumbling. So when she confronts Anakin, she's already broken. By the way, that, she just had the best line of the movie we missed. Yeah. D democracy dies with thunderous applause or whatever she says. It's so true. That's exactly how democracy dies. And keep in mind, this is in 2005. Right. And it, this, this movie was accused, like V for Vendetta, of being overly anti-Bush. But I don't think that's the case. George Lucas has held these ideals for his entire life. Okay, so quickly, what we're seeing Obi-Wan doing here was actually told to him Which is by so, Caleb. I, 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 don't, I hate this. Kanan. I hate this. There's almost no video recording in all of Star Wars in any scenario, but of course they have a video recording of this. I mean, I guess it's a central point, so they'd have work, but it, it's whatever. So before we get to it quickly, I do want to say that what I said is Kanan told, showed Obi-Wan Kenobi about how to reverse the signal. But it's a Jedi temple here, so it makes sense that, you know, they would have recording. And there's where he learned the name, Vader. I can't watch anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it really, yeah. It, good call, Yoda. A little late on the uptake here, big boy. <laughs> it, it, it really sucks because the first time I watched this film, is you want them to succeed, but you you know they don't. You know that their effort is in vain. For the most part, you know what I'm saying. True. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, when you watch a movie, you know where it's no, going, but... I, I, I do, I do, but, I, I you know, I, I, I've tried not to bring this in, but in Rogue One, we knew they were going to get the Death Star plans, but the way it all went down was very surprising. Here, it's like playing out the string, and the performances are great, and the filming's great, but plot-wise, there's nothing too shocking from here till the end. You couldn't guess based on everything in place, which is fine, you know? Um. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with you there. I mean, I have to imagine that some of Padme's irrationality at this point is because she's the one who put Palpatine in power to a certain degree, and she's drowning in her own problems as well. I am sure it's something that, you know, eats at her. It has to, right? I mean... yeah. Youngling, like you can't even see it. I really like that you have two actors going back and forth in a scene that they that click so well. You know what I hope. And 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 now you see the second heartbreak in Panama right here. Finding out Anakin goes to the dark side. I know. So you have to follow the Republic. I just, 
I'm sorry to make you girl. I just don't feel like this is the same Padme from episode one. I know she's gone through a lot and everything, but it just doesn't feel like the same character with the writing. I can probably say the same thing about you 15 years ago. Right? I mean. Right? No? Uh, anyway. So anyways, do you know what I want to see in the Obi-Wan movie? I want to see flashbacks with him and the Duchess of Teen. I don't know who they're going to cast for Satine, but it, ha- it sh- has to happen. They have such a great relationship and it complicates so his character. So, so sorry. I, I think we're going to get him in the novel. I think we're going to get her in the novel, the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan novel. Okay. okay. I'll, I take Is it. She, I take it. I just yeah. think there's some great casting options for Satine. That doesn't mean they can't do both though. Yeah. No, it's Yeah. I do love to, you know, when it was revealed that Vader is still on Mustafar and Rogue One, that the Emperor, like, is having him stay there to stew on his rage <laughs> and evilness. And, <laughs> and I do want to add, I do agree with you about the fact how it feels like a different Panama. I was just trying to make a point that, you know, people change, No, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm just saying, I think the writing has a yeah. change in a way that doesn't seem totally believable, even from episode two. I, I still blame it on the editing that they cut out all those scenes. Yeah. Yep. This right here reminds me of epico- episode two, Panama mm. running off. I think Lucas felt like with all of this darkness and even the good guys being dumb or making bad decisions, like she was the one beacon of goodness to contrast with Vader's true turn that in some ways his betrayal of her is even more horrifying than the murder murders we've seen. Um, which I get, I get from, from, from a writing standpoint. Right. And, and, yeah, and, right. and as I hinted, sorry, at the very beginning, her performance at the end is so spectacular that it overwhelms any theoretical problems with the writing. She is the beacon right now yep. in the film of light. And now we're going to get to something. Now we're getting to a scene here that I really like. Yeah. You can see a look on his, his face. He is a lot more determined and comfort, you know, mm-hmm. he's no longer quote unquote conflicted. I mean, I, you know, one thing I don't talk about enough, Jackie Curl, and I used to talk about a lot in my podcasts, is it, the notion of what are we fighting for. It's not enough to fight for just the good of humanity in general. And I think Lucas was pushing really hard on we're fighting for Padme and people like Padme. Brilliant. It looks so good, the scene here. I love that ship. Such a great ship. And it's a Naboo ship because, you know, of the material and reflective. God, she's gorgeous. And C-3PO is so comfortable now in the ship. Look at that. Okay, so from now till the end, she's amazing. Did, 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 did you catch the Across the Stars theme right yeah, there? Yeah, of course I caught oh, it. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, I, I love that theme. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know that. And now we're, well, I want to touch upon it before it happens, but we are going to get the third heartbreak. 
after the competition, and I use heartbreak as a figuratively thing here. Mm-hmm. Right here. Can I, do you mind if I talk for just a minute here, Jagged Girl? Go for it. So I just did the V for Vendetta commentary recently, and Natalie, I truly believe V is the movie where Natalie became like adult spectacular you know no no holds barred amazing dramatic natalie but we see we see echoes of it coming up here the the breaking my heart line it could be corny but the delivery is heartbreaking and you can see you could see brilliant natalie starting to break through um and what she's capable of It, it blows me away every time even though i'm kind of annoyed with the writing for a character up till now this is just an amazing performance so, if you look at this moment, Padme just lost the Republic. Her husband has gone dark, and she's about to experience her husband betraying her. That that could could you imagine going through that? Yeah, it's basically your world is gone, and she's hoping up right there. There's Luke right there. She sees the hope. She sees him not being gone. Right there. Well, he actually he says those lines so well. Right there, third break. Right there. Changed. Wow, you're you're right about her performance. Look at her. Storms building, 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 building. Yeah. Breaking my heart. Could be so quiet, but it clicks. No, this is right in the Star Wars good cheese level I always talk about. This is just pure Star Wars. You're going down a path I can't follow. Right there. That's like Sam being like, Mr. Frodo, don't go where I can't follow. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. It would have been interesting to play the jealousy angle, but they didn't need it. Whoop. This is it. This is where he's truly gone. This is the this is the true Darth Vader here. And he goes on to try and kill his daughter and his son. <laughs> Yeah, Obi-Wan's talking about getting the high ground here, but he's failed him. I guess he says it, right? Obi-Wan says, I failed you. Does he? See, what, what, look at how Obi-Wan Kenobi is doing it and comparing it to Luke. Luke does it with love. And Obi-Wan does it from a, like that, I get the high ground. I mean, Anakin's not wrong here. You know, Obi-Wan is partially responsible for this. Right here, this is so good. Right, this is the Bush stuff here, the anti-Bush stuff. It's fine. Which happened before. <sighs> mm-hmm. All right. Only a Sith deals in <sighs> episodes. 
He's look. He's going slow. He's not going quickly. Looks so good. So fluid. The music. I mean, part of the tragedy is that Obi-Wan doesn't realize till many years in the desert how badly he failed him. And that's going to be part of the Obi-Wan story, hopefully. Oh, here we go. I thought this right here. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he even changed to the red scars already. I love this right here. Right. Dark serious. <sighs> well done, Yoda. Nice job, Detective Sherlock. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love Yoda. I just... Yeah, he's right. The thing is, their arrogance has blinded them. They're, that, that's what gives us its power more than just their physical power, is their, the half-truths. And that's what makes the Clone Wars so great. Yeah, so... Back to Obi-Wan and Anakin. Look at that. Just like... The Phantom Menace type level fluid, fluidity. Look at that. They went all out on this fight. Rightfully so. Yeah, well, that's what I was talking about. Lucas picking his battles. I mean, this movie's so huge with so many giant set pieces. Yeah. Yep. Now, do you like the over the top Emperor? I mean, isn't the Emperor always over the top, kind of? Well, yeah, but it seems like he's more now, over the top in Revenge of the Sith. You will die. No, I meant here compared to, like, Return of the Jedi. No, no, I know, I know. But he does like he, he does kind of get this look in his eye when he's lightning Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi a little bit. Oh, yeah, he does. I have. I love it right there. Boom. Your faith in your friends is yours. See, if there's one crime, it's that the fight between Sidious and Yoda isn't long enough. Yeah, they did it with Dooku and not Sidious. It's interesting. That's awesome right there. I like that little touch right there. I think the prequels did a better job of igniting the lightsabers than the sequel trilogy. I'm sorry. The single best lightsaber ignition ever is Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One. He's just standing there and just... I'm talking about the effect of it, but yeah. Right there, there's no conflict. I mean, Hayden's Hayden's physical acting is is spectacular. Mm-hmm. But this is a glorious ending, so I'm gonna say this one last time. I would have made Anakin a little bit more likable over the movies, and it would have made this more heartbreaking. I never really like him, and so I'm never really rooting for him. Is the but that was my experience. I know that's not everyone's experience. This is no, great. totally. This is uh, George Lucas obviously tried to. I mean, George Lucas' yeah. obvious focus was on 
the flaws, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Look at that. They are getting, look at them, they're so fast that they have to decompress the energy. Yeah, it's awesome. The music right there with the force. Oh my god. <laughs> Whoops. See, uh, you know, I think, you know, this is what people want from the, the sequel trilogy, just level of action. I agree. I, I think JJ is going to throw us some curveballs that aren't quite as predictable as, as you would people might think based on this in Return of the Jedi. I think. No. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Beautiful. Been waiting for that. Oh, I can't wait for more Maul. Look at it. Oh my god. Yeah, Palpatine did. They could have dialed back Palpatine about 75% here. It would still be effective. That's okay. I like it. It's fun. It's fun. It's pulpy. It's intentionally pulpy. It's great. Oh, this is great. Yeah. I love it here with the music here. You hear it and you're spinning it. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. There's just something about Lucas Star Wars that's just so iconic. But you have to admit, a much smaller scale fight like Kylo and Rey in Episode Eight is extremely effective with way less oh, fireworks. No. Oh no, totally! It, it's it's two ways to bake a pie. Yep, that's true. You know what I'm saying? You can have yep. both. See, they're so evenly matched. Right there in that moment, he knows he can't beat them. And if he continues fighting, it's only going to lead to his doom. Do you take Duel like the... Do you take Duel like the... Sorry. Go ahead. Do you take Duel the Fates as being sort of the Sith theme? Because it's clearly not just Maul. I think it just has to do with a, um, you know, more of an action piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Of music. But no, I would like a little... I would like a solid film that has a lot more of this, too. There's just something about it that's just so different. I mean, we're definitely getting tons of lightsaber fights in episode 9, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm just saying, there's just something about the uh, the Republic era that lends itself to... Yeah. You know... Well, and that's what Lucasfilm is embracing with the Clone Wars and all the new books and comic books. I mean, they're embracing that people love this stuff, and that's great. Look, it's so beautiful. Oh, this is great. I love this. Like a 2001 Space Odyssey shot. This is great. <laughs> so the first time I saw this, I thought he gave up way too quickly. And after re-watching it and seeing the Force Lightning, you can tell that they were a stalemate, that Yoda, like I previously said, he had to go away. Otherwise, it was going to lead to his doom. So it, it makes well, complete sense, but at the time it did not. Well, the question is, if he kills Sidious in a fight, how does that change things? Because if there's a chance of saving the situation by killing Sidious, he shouldn't give up. Yeah, it's it, you're right. That's kind of weird. Well, no, no, no. It, it touched upon in the Clone Wars about some t- somehow 
the way that you win is by uh, what is it? Um, uh, live to fight another day. You know what I'm saying? It touched upon in the Clone Wars. Right. But it just, I think it just yeah. It just begs the question of is this whole corrupt new empire based on one person or is the system so corrupt that even killing Sidious it wouldn't change enough? I think you you had to even if Palpatine was gone, it's still a make it messy situation, but it would have been better than what it was. But basically the Jedi are over. Even if he kills Sidious, the Jedi are criminals. As far as, as the emperor, emperor's empire is concerned. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. See, again, going back to the Clone Wars, he knew that he would have to do this. But he had to try for trying for try's sake. You know what I'm saying? Yep. His loyalty to the Republic was important. That he knew that a climactic event was going to happen, but he had to stick with the Republic for as long as possible to ensure his survival, even though they, he knew that they were going down a dark path. Again, uh, the, the last episode of the Clone Wars goes into it. A little Pirates of the Caribbean action here. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. God, it's... Ugh, those movies could be so great if they weren't so bad. I like the first one. Me too. I actually am fine with the first three, but it just went downhill. Uh, I prefer the first one. Yeah. I mean, this movie is just exhausting. It's it's almost it's the opposite of the Phantom Menace, which is like almost soothing and relaxing in, in comparison. Yeah, it it's really intense. So do you, do you think we will see a Ray Kylo fight of this level in length in Episode Nine? No, honestly, mm. but that doesn't mean I don't think we're going to get a bad one. I think we're going to get a really really good one, but I don't think it would be this fluid. I think we'll see a mixture of the episode 7 fight with the episode 8 fight. Uh, yeah, I was thinking something like that, yep. Yeah. But I really hope that Lucasfilm revisits this era of lightsaber fighting. I mean, Sorry, I'm just a big, huge... No, I was going to say, mark. but everything announced that Comic-Con is prequel era. It's all, all the books, comics, the shows, it's all prequel era. I mean, if you're a prequel super fan, you must be thrilled at this point. Oh, yeah. You know. It's really exciting. All right, here we go. High ground. He's barely above him. <laughs> He's right, though. Classic shot. You see that screenshot yep. all the time. Yeah. You see a lot of the screenshots. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this is sort of the physical manifestation of Mount Doom in The Lord of the Rings, right? I mean... It's the exact same thing. I think historically, the biggest 
downfall of the prequels was it was they were just a step behind the Lord of the Rings constantly, which they could have predicted. You were the chosen one. Oh, right. It was said. No, your look, master said it. Look at Ian McGregor's performance. You should just kill him. <sighs> just kill Anakin here. It's the worst thing to do. Don't save him. Don't kill him. <sighs> yep. This is a failing of Obi. He can't bring him to himself to kill him. So you let him suffer and be tortured and maybe die, maybe not. Obi-Wan continues to be weak. He's a coward. Obi-Wan's a coward. They're all cowards. Oh, there it is. Oh, my God. Doesn't he say in New Hope? I always forget. Doesn't he say I failed you in A New Hope? Huh? Doesn't Obi-Wan say to Vader, I failed you in A New Hope? I just saw it. I should know this. No, he said it here. I failed you. Oh, he said I failed you. Yeah, he said it here. I missed it. He did it when we were talking over. Woman in refrigerator. He looks pretty alive to me here. No, Ian McGregor gives a good performance right there at the, the death scene. Uh, not the death scene, but, you know. Fantastic. What a day. Yeah, I mean, from a filmmaking perspective, they did the right thing in this movie, even though this was about Anakin's final turn in pushing Obi-Wan forward, Yoda forward, and Palpatine forward in terms of screen time, performance, and it, it helps everything with Anakin. You know, if you can buy into the tragedy of the prequel trilogy, even without Clone Wars, it's just, it's still, if you can buy into it, it's really tragic. Because you, here you had such a good hero and he fell so far it's just but I have to say Jaggy girl you have to admit if you grew up with the original trilogy and you love Darth Vader and you aren't super into the performances or filmmaking here you could understand why some people would be like I didn't need this to like Darth Vader I don't think they were going to like any story that... I'm not defending the idiots. I'm just pointing out the obvious, which is you have to like this movie because of the performances and the filmmaking, not because it explains something that we already knew happened, if that makes sense, right? What I was going to say is, is I think with a certain type of people, you weren't going to please them unless he was a BA from moment A. You know? Well, I didn't like these movies when I first saw them and had nothing to do with that. 
But anyway, now I like them, you know, but it's different. Yeah. I, I think if you have a character that is going to be redeemed, they have to fall from somewhere for that redemption, yeah. quote unquote, to mean something. You know what I'm saying? No, I I agree. So, so that's why, you know, buying the tragedy and watching the Clone Wars and seeing how heroic and fantastic of a person was. I mean, yeah, Anakin was flawed in the Clone Wars, but he was a hero. He had a heart. He cared. But he just just because Vader saves his son at the last minute after he's committed genocide of millions or billions of people, I, we shouldn't forgive Vader because he's somehow, you know, that's the my Kylo thing is like, let's turn and Kylo great, but we don't forgive Kylo for all the horrible things he's done. I'm just saying quote unquote. I mean, no, I know. I just think we need to be self-aware when we talk about, you know, saving people or turning people in star Wars, you know, they still have to be held responsible for what they've done. The fact that Kylo seems to recognize that he is a monster makes him even more compelling. Um, yeah. Holy birth number two in the prequels. (laughs) Sorry. How is it holy? Uh... Just in retrospect. Look at that. Look at you see that. That's just... Mm. It, no, it's all right. It's only holy in the sense of the, these two babies are the two most important people in the galaxy 20 years from now. That scene with Anakin be burned and his material being taken off. The baby CGI there. It's Okay. Not now, but it was before. Yeah, yeah it's okay. I never noticed that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one year after this, they did an entire birth scene uh, in Children of Men with CGI Baby. Technology's yeah, got there. I haven't seen that film since then, probably. Yeah. Mm. See, I always thought they came out in the wrong order. Oh, no. I definitely think Leia's the older child. Oh, uh, but, yeah, but in the... Yeah, Luke was born first. Oh, really? I, oh, okay. Yeah, it should have been opposite. Yeah, I thought it was opposite, too. Right here, iconic. No, I said it should have been. I know, I know. Opposite. That's what I'm saying. I, right here. So iconic right here. Darth Vader's mask. Coming down to music. The fog. Quiet. And the breathing, and the breathe out. Iconic. Okay. I know you're caught up in the drama, but I have to point out a couple things. One has to do with the first thing he should say is, what happened to saving Padme and bringing her back from the dead like you promised me, you asshole? (laughs) He promised that he would save her from death, not bring her back from death. There's two different things. Um... I believe they're talking about necromancy earlier. I could be wrong. Dead is she? The music here. This is I. So tragic. I'm not gonna say anything. I I I'm I'm sorry. I I'm really really sorry. I I don't know how you can 
worship Darth Vader. I don't. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. For anything there, I don't. I don't know how people can love Darth Vader. He is so evil. Sorry. Whew. But then again, I like Sidious. So he's evil, but he's never really in control of his own fate until he kills Palpatine at the end of Return of the Jedi. Right, where's Padme? Is she safe? He's just not a guy that you should be. Keeps in your anger. You killed her. No, we're gonna have to go back when he says he can bring her back from the dead. After we're done. No. And plug for the Darth Vader Stage Two comic. The issue one takes place right after this. Entering it, the music so tragic. <sighs> All right, here we go. Why are they Naboo? To um oh, for the return Panam yeah. yeah, the funeral. You hear Leia's theme in the background? Of course. Oh, I want Leia and Ahsoka material. And the voice team over Luke. When they're talking over Luke. Nice touch there. Oh, From an old friend. I hate this. Uh... Why they're grown? Qui Gon shouldn't be the one to discover this. It's too convenient. Sorry, I'm sorry. Nerd stuff. I'll control myself. Look at these guys. Look at, <laughs> look at it. Look at sorry. it this way. Qui-Gon never complete, fully completed his training. Yoda was the first one to fully complete his training. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I guess Luke never completes his training, and we get the uh, fucking uh, Last Jedi thing. Yeah, the whole Qui-Gon thing doesn't fuck me at all. This is just like Theoden's funeral in Lord of the Rings. I mean, even the color palette's exactly the same. Not Theoden, Theodred. Yeah. We see both nice and see she still looks quote unquote pregnant. They oh, made her I body see. look like she was pregnant. I see. Mm-hmm. And this is so beautiful. Look, the iconic. And then we see it with the little pendulum thing. Nice little touch. The TIE Fighter sound effect there. Oh. Talking. Generous was gonna fuck you up, bitches! Sorry. 
the music. Mm -hmm. Put all your money into that big ball of death. Yeah. Luckily, the arrogance of the Jedi Council is far outweighed by the arrogance of Palpatine. <laughs> and see, we're in the middle of the ending here. We're seeing, we're seeing where all the Skywalkers end up. We see Padme's funeral. We see Vader. We're seeing Leia right now. We're about to see Luke. And we see Alderaan. We need to see more of this. Alderaan. Yeah, Alderaan. Which is interesting because when we see Alderaan briefly in New Hope, it looks like it's covered with oceans. I guess there's a lot of water here. It looks like it's covered with oceans in, uh, in New Hope. I noticed that in recent viewing. What's her mom's name? Bea or something like that? Bria. Bria. Yeah, that's what my cousin's name is. Oh, uh, Leia's name. Oh. oh, Carrie Fisher. I love you. Watching these films after The Last Jedi, just... I don't, I don't understand the reasoning here. Vader would never think to come here. <laughs> Aw. Same baby, because they're twins. See the first theme play? Binary's on set, yeah. Uncle Owen! Yeah. Cut to Obi Wan movie. He looks like Owen. Yeah, he does. Well, we did it. You did most of the work on that one, but we did it. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, it's just really is something, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you had a lot more insights than I did. So, um, I don't know what else I have to say. I, I, I love that movie, but it is very up and down for me. E even different times I watch it, I feel differently. I like different parts of it differently. Um, it, it definitely has its flaws. I mean, even Empire Strikes Back has its flaws. But as far as the prequel trilogy goes, this is the pinnacle of it and both this mm -hmm. execution storytelling and elements of it that if, if you you would like to think if he George Lucas had one more film that it could have been like or maybe not you know maybe he would have done the same thing that he did with Attack of the Clones and looked too far ahead and then focus on the, what he currently had but I, I love this film it, it's so beautiful well done it, it still stands up today yep yeah, I mean, you know? the biggest flaw of the film has nothing to do with this film. It has to do with episode two. Episode two didn't do as much heavy lifting with building Anakin's character as Lucas wanted. And so I think, again, this is a movie that rewards repeat watchings. And then, of course, the Clone Wars with Anakin as well. But it, I don't think it hit people quite as hard with the Anakin transformation as it should have because Episode Two didn't, I don't, you know, didn't achieve as much character development as as maybe uh, Lucas had wanted to. I, I don't know if you agree with that theory. So basically, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about looking at the prequel trilogy as a tragedy, a Greek tragedy, where the focus on Anakin was supposed to be his hubris before the fall mm. and his ego. And that, by default, doesn't make him a likable character. 
I'm sure it's an interesting way to look at it. So I completely agree with you. And then the Clone Wars does do that. Like the Clone Wars, and again, as a guy who is, I previously mentioned, I'm not going to repeat myself because I'm basically saying the same thing, but the Clone Wars, and again, is what, what you were talking about, what George Lucas was focused on, the Greek tragedy of it, that he didn't spend too much time for you to get attached the same way that you do during the Clone Wars. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, just to add my personal note, I'll give you final thoughts, you know. I, I While I've come to like and appreciate the prequels, at least one and three more over the years, I will never be a prequel guy, but it doesn't stop me from appreciating it and appreciating everything that came out of it and that's still coming out of it. And I'm so happy that Disney's embracing it because so much of the fan base loves it and wants more. And, like, that's great. Like... I don't know if I feel like I need to revisit it a ton, but I love that we're at a period in Star Wars where the fans, you know, the, the, the positive fans, it, like we don't have to want to consume everything and love everything the same way, right? I mean, that's okay. I think that's, that's the thing that needs to come out of, of whatever conflict is in the fan base is that, you know, even people who are, uh, who are positive about this thing... Uh, you know, we, we don't all need to like everything the same amount in the same way because that's actually a sign of, you know, weakness for a property. The ultimate sign of success for a property is that different people like different movies and different shows and different comics, and different books, different levels. Like, I think that should, th- that diversity should be embraced. And does, is this, is this making sense? Like, it did. That, uh, that we're getting a volume of different amount of stuff, but also different stuff to where, you know what I mean? Where, uh, w- where you can pick and choose if you want to. Now, if you want to consume all the stuff, you also have that option as well. And, and that's, that's also fabulous. Um, but I think Revenge of the Sith, I, I, let, me, let me put it this way. I think The Phantom Menace actually has fewer flaws than Revenge of the Sith, but Revenge of the Sith is so epic and the high points are so high that it's still my favorite of the prequels. But I do think it has more flaws than than The Phantom Menace, and, and I think that's just, you know, I mean, it's the same way I watch the original trilogy now, and certain flaws stick out more than when you're, you know, younger or whatever. That's just that that's just going to happen. Um, but I'm, I'm just glad that we don't have this, let's not talk about the prequels attitude anymore. And we're past that in the fan base because it's just as compelling part of canon as anything else. And I'm just glad everything seems to be back on track in that area or, or getting there at least. So I'll, I'll give you final thought on all this. This film is a film that I really do enjoy. It's really dark. It does have flaws, like you mentioned, and I do agree with you that, from a certain point of view, that this film has more flaws than The Phantom Menace, but there is a reason why this film is not the film that is being talked about when you hear people criticize the prequels. It's always episode one or episode two. This film is, he nailed it at the bridging point between episode the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy is a well blind. It's a well blend. It is a tweak of a. It's a treat treat of a film to enjoy. That is wow, what an experience! And I did not expect myself to get emotional over the Panama scene. Uh, that's usually not a scene that I get emotional over. Mm-hmm. And seeing Leia as a child, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the Last Jedi, this film definitely deserves a revisit. And I would say a revisit after the Siege of Mandalore because the depth of this film right now, 
has, it's only going to get bigger after we get more episodes of the Clone Wars. And, yeah, I mean, and again, with episode one, the, the one thing, again, episode one has in its favor for me is, you know, I love my super strong female Star Wars characters up front in the narrative. It doesn't mean they have to be fighting all the time, but just that they're up front in the narrative. And so, you know what I mean? And, and so the episode one, Padme, to me, is right there with Rey, Jin, and Leia. And episode three, it's, it's a much more difficult performance. And she does an amazing job. And it is a heartbreaking story, which I agree gets me more emotional than I'm expecting each time. It's just, you know, it's just a bias I have towards these, these Star Wars. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but Hayden does get, really gets better over time with watches. His chemistry with Obi-Wan's amazing. You know, again, I, I almost wish they had to more time in the movie together but it's almost important to separate them be- to, to set up the end right right exactly yeah i know that i really do appreciate the conclusion of the prequel yeah. trilogy and the execution of it there's just it's just so juicy and delicious and the performance by the actors it's just mm-hmm. well i mean what can we say that has not been said all right, so uh, we will continue this conversation. Uh, why don't you set up what we're going to be talking about next week, and then we'll drop some websites and social media, and then sign out. Will do. Next week, we are going to dive into the Dark Side comics. Basically, we're going to be talking about some of the lore behind the evil comic, if you will. What are they about? What is their relevancy to lore? Basically, diving into the story of the extended canon dark side villains. Awesome. So guys, so you can check us out at swlorecast.com, um, Twitter at swlorecast, facebook.com slash swlorecast. Of course, you can find me at bizzlecast.com, uh, facebook.com slash bizzlecast at the bizzle 81 on Twitter. Jedi geek girl, you want to drop your sites? You can find me at Jedi geek girl on Twitter. You can find my podcast, I Rebel, anywhere you can find podcasts by searching I Rebel hyphen a Star Wars Destiny podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the Lordcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is always a blast, and we appreciate your listens. And until next time, Jelly Geek Girl, out! What about me? I don't get an out? <laughs> <laughs> what, was your, what was your Rogue One reference? We were just, we were on the verge of greatness. We're on the verge of greatness. <laughs> but farming, Galen, a man <laughs> of your talents. <laughs> Lyra, oh, back from the dead. It's a miracle. God, I love Krennic. Troublesome as usual. As usual. <laughs> You'll never win. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> oh, God.